Hello, this is God's Own Scale podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Clark. At God's Own Scale, I take a deep dive into the smaller side of wargaming, principally 6mm, but with the odd glance down to 2 or 3mm, and then up to the giants that are 10mm. Today's episode is a tad different. It's more like two mates having a hobby chat as Steve Evans discusses his renaissance in gaming in 6mm and now 2mm as well. I've known Steve for a while through our shared love of all things Mantic Games, which we do touch on in the interview. So it was great to be able to speak to him about historical games and the other side of his hobby. Apologies for the delay in getting this episode out. A few technical difficulties were experienced by the tech team, but they slaved away 24-7 to rescue the files, so thank you to them for their efforts. Not a lot of hobby news. We have seen some Black Friday deals from the larger companies, but understandably the smaller companies have decided this year has been bad enough without selling off their precious wares for even cheaper to comply with the Black Friday phenomenon. The World of Six Mill sees more releases from Bacchus for the Pony Wars and their World War II range. The Steam Train for Pony Wars is just brilliant. Check it out over at the Bacchus website if you haven't already. I'm sure most of you have. I've had my first experience with the Adler figures this week. Just a few samples to flesh out my Antietam project. I'll talk more about these at the end of the show in my hobby update, but suffice to say I'm really impressed with the figures. I have and I look forward to getting more in the not too distant future. Little Wars TV have done something really interesting in releasing a set of Dark Age rules called Raven Feast, aimed at the newcomer to the hobby. There's promise of future articles on how to build an army, painting, scenery and playthrough videos to teach you the rules. I've downloaded them but not yet had a chance to read them. I'm very much looking forward to diving in. Christmas approaches and plans for the podcast continue to develop. I'm chatting to Leon from Pendraken next week. And between this episode and that one, I'll be releasing the Patreon Q&A in podcast format, if I can work out how to do it. Then I'm hoping to get out another episode on Christmas Eve, with a couple of guests joining me for a review of the year that wasn't in Wargaming. Stick around uh, after the interview with Steve. Uh, for my hobby update, but that's enough of me wittering on. You're here for the interview. Let's talk about six. Okay, uh, welcome to God's Own Scale, episode 21. Um, I don't know if that's key of the door, actually, or is that 18? Might be 16. I'll go for 21, episode 21. Key of the door. Um, I'm still around, and uh, uh, I've got a first-time guest with me today, somebody who I've met over the last couple of years or so, and we've, uh, we've actually faced off across the table on a couple of occasions which I think makes you a unique guest to this show, but it's Mr. Steve Evans. Hi, Steve. How are you? 
Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? I'm very well. This has been an interview that we've talked about for a while, hasn't it? That we've wanted to get done. Certainly is, mate. Certainly is. Um, and as I say, I think I think the fact that we've played face to face makes you a unique. Uh, a- a unique guest to the show. I think we've played a couple. Have we played a couple of times? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I think it's so. got to be. I think it's been Dead Zone, hasn't it? Dead Zone. We've been in the. Uh, we've certainly been in the same room playing games together. <laughs> definitely, mate. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, we've definitely definitely played one game of uh, Dead Zone, maybe two games of Dead Zone. Yeah. I'm almost the bottom tables, and was it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is where we're happiest. Yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm fairly confident I'm yet to win. Whether it's one or two games, probably, I'm almost probably certainly. draws, mate. Well, well, that's very generous of you, Steve. Yeah. That's very generous because my my actual ability uh, of playing games is is pretty rubbish, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but if if I worried about that, I wouldn't be still doing it now. That's right. Um, so, Steve, we know each other through our mantic connection, don't we? I've 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 mentioned numerous times on the podcast before and across Twitter and social media. Uh, as well as being uh, a six mil or, or or historical gamer in general, I'm also a huge fan of all the Mantic type products, um, and and that's how we met, wasn't it? Yes, it's, it was. Yeah, I, I, I am think, a, definitely uh, a bit of a Mantic fanboy. Yeah, but we're a strange breed, aren't we? Actually, because people are people who are Mantic fans are quite loyal to their games, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so generally, and also generally, uh, people will play at least a couple of the different systems, such as Dead Zone or Kings of War. Or Yeah, um, I play I play Dead Zone, Kings of War, um, what else is it? Dreadball, yeah. fantastic game. So. Yeah, um, and, and we, love, we love all that Mantic do, don't we? We're, we're, oh, and yeah, we're, mi- missing, we're, we're missing the scene, aren't we, at the moment, the various yeah. events with COVID, etc.? I'm quite lucky that uh, my my club opened back up oh, it was about two months ago now, so um, I'm so, so I'm getting games in. So so lucky in that sense, but no open days or tournaments or anything like that at the moment. So yeah. it's a bit of a, a bit disappointing. But well, what can you do? Well, that reminds me actually, it was just an open day that I took you and uh, the good Mrs. Evans through a yes. game of Star Saga, I think, and didn't yeah. she win? Of course. <laughs> she's very competitive my wife yeah I, I didn't fix it honest she uh, <laughs> yeah, she was she won mean. genuinely off her own back yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but we aren't here to talk about mantic although we may talk about mantic shortly but mm-hmm. uh, uh we're not here to talk about mantic we're here to talk about historical wargaming and in particular six mil wargaming but be- before we get onto that subject, as I do with every new guest on the show, I'd like to get and dig a little bit deeper. Get let's let's see what's under the hood of Steve Evans. What's what makes Steve Evans tick in the wargaming sense? What where where did you come from? How did how did you get into this crazy world of uh, miniature gaming? Oh, this is this is going to be a long story, mate. Excellent. I'm going to put my feet up, <laughs> my hands behind my head. I've got my cup of tea, uh, ready to listen. Basically, I've always been interested in uh, military history, even as a even as a young boy. Um, I was greatly into um, 
the Wild West, uh, westerns, and World War Two films were some of my favourites, like um, The Longest Day and Signa Bismarck. Spent many an hour sat watching these films. I also made the model kits, spent hours sticking them all together, sticking my hands together, getting all the exact <laughs> enamel paints that you needed from the. Cause they used to have the description on the back of the box, didn't they? You needed like, oh, such and such, and duck egg blue for the undercarriage, or <laughs> off you went to get your duck egg blue. That's right. Sat in, sat in my bedroom, like, Almost killing myself with the with the smell of the enamel paints. The fumes, but, yeah. Yes, I had them all hanging on off my off off the off the ceiling. So I, I've always been interested in that sort of thing. Um, but actually, war gaming as of such, it's all started back in. It's got to be about nineteen eighty, I think. It's just in the um, first year of senior school, and I met up with. Um, a friend and um he brought some lead figures in some these are again i said back in the day these are proper lead figures yeah know, and this uh, alloy like we get now um and I, it was like wow what are these and um after a bit of chatting and as you do you know what i mean a few swaps being made for different bits and pieces like football cards and stuff and i ended up with like a lead figure um it was an orc um from this from the from the citadel range Wow. GW didn't exist at the time. It was like Sistel yeah. Miniatures. So. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And I was like, well, what do I do with this? And the next day, this this friend of mine came in. Oh, I said, oh, do you want to come down my house and play this game called Dungeons and Dragons? I was like, well, they got these type of things in it. Oh, of course I do. So off I, off I cycled down to his house. <laughs> and there I go. Started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then my, that went on for... A couple of years um, during school and after school and stuff like that. Um, and where I lived in Bristol, there's a uh, wargaming club um, at the time. Well, it's still going now called um, Lincoln Barn Wargaming Club, which um, oh, yes, is in Diamond. Yeah. yeah, they run a, a, show, a yearly show called um, Ravalli. Yeah. And um, that was literally. Just down the bottom of the hill from me, where I was living at the time, where, where my parents lived. Yeah. So, um, so I went down there, went in, and was like, oh, blimey, look at all these people playing Napoleonics and stuff like that. And it was Crazy a lot of things. It was, it was, like, it was a basic just a group of us kids. So we, we all like, we all went down, and they were very welcoming, which is, you know what I mean. I suppose quite surprising at the time, but they seemed to be very welcoming and out to set up a table and that. And we used to play D and D down there. And I think the thing is, once you start playing it and you see this other stuff around you, you get more and more drawn into it, don't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. These massive tables of people playing these games, particularly Napoleonics, because it's so colourful, isn't it? Oh, it was. It was amazing. I did used to find it. We did used to find it quite funny, really. That you know, what I mean, you get there and get there on there because it was a sunday afternoon if i remember rightly about half past two we used to get there and they'd be setting up the, the, the gentleman to play napoleonics and the game had gone i think yeah i think the club used to finish about like six o'clock on half past six on the uh, on you yeah. you walk over about like three or four hours into the game and you'd be look at the table and go i don't think they've moved anything <laughs> <laughs> but it just oh, didn't no. look like it you know it was yeah. those type of rules all you all you over and their their heads were in the books, like you know what I mean. And I mean, yeah. hardly a dice seemed to be rolled, and 
But it seems to be having good fun, and I suppose that's that's what it is, isn't it? It's all about having fun, isn't it? So if they got enjoyment out of doing that, then um, so be it. But then, yeah, exactly. But then, moving on to actual war gaming. So yeah, I played a lot of role playing. I went through loads of different types of role playing game: Dungeons, Dragons, Aftermath, Call of Cthulhu, Twilight, Two Thousand. So you name it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we had a really big group of us. Um, we started getting interested in like fight, fighting like actual battles, but we started off by playing D&D battles of all things. We used to go through the monster manual and the player's handbook and work out how many hit points we were allowed each and each week turn up with a few different monsters, like a few extra hit points worth of monsters, but oh, it was, it was ponderous. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. ponderous. Yeah. It was actually crazy, but, and then, uh, Warhammer hit the scene. And that was like, wow, what is this? An actual, yeah. an actual war game we can actually use our models for. So um, I got heavily into like first edition Warhammer and second the old white edition box, Warhammer. Yeah. Yes, the old white box. With Harry the Hammer on the front. That's right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. I love that picture. That's such a good picture. But while this was going on, I was still like interested in the, as I said, like I was still watching the films. I was still watching, I still had had an interest in history and as such and military stuff in general. And um, yeah. it was about this time as well. Um, I started getting into um, micro armor. Right. So playing, um, actually playing like six mil micro armor. Yeah. Um, using the uh, oh, war games research rule sets. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, little orange. Was it an orange book? I can't remember. Yeah, an no, orange card cover, wasn't it? That's orange. right. Yeah, not nineteen twenty-five to nineteen fifty something. That's that, the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I don't think we ever actually played the rules properly, and never actually had the right, you know what I mean, setups for the army list. The, yeah. the order of battle. It was like, oh yeah, well, yeah. you've got like twenty tigers, and I got like forty Pershings, and you know what I mean. <laughs> As you do. Let's have at it. Let's have at it. Yeah. 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 But we had some great fun playing it. Yeah. Um, And I got into also playing. I think World War Two was my type of scene as well. Like because I got into playing um, naval as well. So again, war games research. I think it was a blue book that time. I can't remember again. I can't remember the name of the rule sets. But playing with this, I can't. Was it one three thousand scale? Is it or? Yeah, it'd have been absolutely tiny, wouldn't it, for World War Two naval? Yeah. Yeah. And got into playing that, reenacting some of the battles. Because, as I said, I love some of the old films like the um, Sinking of Bismarck and yeah. um, Battle of the River Plate are two of my absolute favourites. Like, yeah. I mean, I come from like, well, my family comes from a, like a, a naval background anyway. So, right, um, my granddad served in 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 the he was in the merchants and his brother was in the Royal Navy during the war. Yeah. And many a story. Yeah, I'm sure, think, yeah. Uh, but like Uncle Rus- Albert. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, the Russian convoys and stuff like that. Ooh, wow. Insane. Very, they're very good fun. So um, no, yeah, I'm sure. So, um, but yeah, I dabbled. As I said, I dabbled in between some of those games, flitted in and out. But it was ma- it was mainly Warhammer. So I played Warhammer for. Oh. As I said, we probably met over the internet um, at those at that time. Um, with the WPS and that, stuff that's like that. That's right, because you, you were Lurker's Spleen when you were on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I inhabited the Warhammer Player Society uh, right. forum quite quite a lot, as we've discussed uh, prior to pressing mm-hmm. record and 
uh, un- unbeknownst uh, to each other, we uh, will have communicated quite a lot. I would uh, probably so, twenty yeah. twenty five years ago. I would have yeah. Thought, yeah, I was quite active. You know, I mean, being um, we had uh, well, he's still he's back in Bristol now. Rob Broom, um, who was one of the founding members of the WPS, yeah, actually lives um, just a road from me. So, um, and he was the one who got me into the uh, the club I'm in now, Bristol Biggins. He right. started that club up. I think it was it's got to be about. Uh, 98, 99, and yeah. um, I started playing down there. The thing I found with the Lincoln Barn, it being on a Sunday afternoon, having a young family at the time, it got it got very difficult to, you know what I mean, get off on a give Sunday afternoon. Yeah, give and up the weekend. Yeah. With the with the biggins at the time, they were they were running on a Tuesday evening, and it was easier to get out on a Tuesday evening for a, a few hours, you know, and get yeah. kids to bed, like you know what I mean, or stuff like that, like you know. Yeah. But so that's why I started started going down there, and um, yeah, one thing led, led to another, and been nervous since, shall we say? So yeah. And up, been, up to your neck in fantasy figures. Fantasy figure. I've always waned. You know what I mean? I, I was heavily into, um, as I said, heavily into Warhammer. Played every single edition of Warhammer. Um, some I didn't play so heavily. I think it was fourth, third edition I played a hell of a lot. Uh, fourth edition I dropped out a little bit. Just played. I dabbled in it, and then I got back into it heavily. Fifth edition, all the way through, then until eighth. And again, yeah. I just I was just starting to get when 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 we got to eighth, I was just getting to that stage where I was just getting a little bit, you know what I mean, fed up with it. Yeah. So I moved over and played. Um, a bit of War Machine for a while, because that seemed yeah. to be the in thing. It certainly was, wasn't it? I was a, quite a big War Machine player back in the day. I think I think the problem with War Machine, um, me and another friend of mine, uh, you, I don't know if you know him, but um, uh, Big Dave G, uh, I used to hang around with him a lot of the time. He's still a member of the club. He was a member of the WPS as well, one of the, yeah. uh, one of, one, in the, in the uh, committee at, at one point. Um, We'd played a doubles at Cardiff, I think it was, of War Machine, and we walked out of the event and, and literally, like, we just can't, we can't do this anymore. We'd literally been in the bottom table playing these people, and they were just taking it all so seriously, and it was like, I really can't be doing this anymore. It's a, it's a, I love, I've got to say, for probably a four or five year period, War Machine was my go-to fantasy yeah. stroke science fiction game, but it really made my head hurt on a constant basis yeah um and it's one of those sort of games where if you do something slightly out of in the wrong order with your yep. own army then you're screwed aren't you yeah definitely definitely so that i i, I said i played i played 40k for all i i played a lot i played a lot against but it was about that time and this must be what when did eight come out can you think now no, uh, ooh, I don't know, 2010, 12, something like, something like that. And that's when I gave up playing sci-fi and fantasy for a while. Yeah. I just went heavily into historical, mainly playing 28 mil, playing, um, like, because I'd been playing a little bit of WAB at the time anyway, because obviously yeah. it was, the WAB rules were like literally just Warhammer without magic, weren't they? Yes, yeah. So, and obviously with the connection of Rob Broom, who was at yeah. some point, um, the GW historical manager. That's right. Yes. Um, and he was running 
a few events down in, down at our club in Bristol in our yeah. um So I got he- quite heavily into that. So that was Warhammer Ancient Battles. Wasn't Warhammer it? Ancient uh, Battles, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I gave up playing like fantasy and sci-fi for a few years, and I was literally just playing because he brought out his, his his own game then, War and Conquest. Yes. Which is um, uh, like a hybrid of like war, uh, like the the Wabbles. What I, I wanted. I, I heard, I'd heard it, yeah, I'd heard it described as Warhammer Ancient Battles third edition or fourth edition. I forget yeah. how many yeah. official editions there were. That's but right, yeah. That's War and Conquest was effectively yeah. the next edition of it. Yeah. That was right, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a fine game. It's a fine game. I do, I do enjoy playing it every now and again. Um, and yeah, I dabbled in a lot of different stuff. I played a bit of Hell Caesar. I got into playing a bit of um, World War II. Um, chain of command ball action just went through all the different type of classic type type of games that yeah. a lot of people play and yeah. I, I must have done did that for about four oh, like three or four years of literally just playing historical games historical games and that's when i first started dabbling back into six mil so yeah. i bought a um a regular miniatures um austrian army oh yeah um, Napoleonics, and so I, I painted that all up. And we had a chap at the Biggins who had um, reworked the two by two rules for playing two mil um, games on a yeah. uh, two by two tape there. Yeah, and he reworked it for using six mil models. So you're, again, you're okay. still playing on the, the the two foot by two foot board, but he'd like yes. readjust the rules and readjusted it so you could use it with six. Played that for a little while. That was, that was pretty good, pretty good fun. And then, basically, um, someone down club was playing uh, Kings of War when it first, came, well, first, when second edition first came out. Yeah. And I just turned up on the evening. I can't remember what I was doing at the time. What I was playing or anything. That, and I just went over and looked and went like, "Whoa, this is like Warhammer, but better." <laughs> Less of the complexity. If if Ronnie Renton listens to this podcast, Ronnie Renton being mm. CEO of Mantic, uh we we haven't set this up. <laughs> <laughs> we both think Kings of War is far better game than Warhammer Fantasy. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's the it's the fantasy game that I always wanted it to, wanted yeah. Warhammer to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I 100% concur, absolutely. So so then, yeah, I went deeply into, I said, I, I painted, shall we say, a, a few um, Kings of War armies. How many, Steve? Um, 17, I think, in the last game. <laughs> 17 28 mil armies. And th- these are rank and flank armies, aren't they? It's not a skirmish game, Kings of War. It's definitely a rank and flank battle. Yeah game isn't yeah. it it's not a skirmish game so yeah pretty so that's that's some <laughs> achievement you're still painting them to this day aren't you i know you are yeah the thing is once i get hooked in sync uh, uh as you probably know now once i get hooked in sync that's that's it you know what i mean yeah um, I, 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 when i was heavily into warhammer i, I painted i had a i had a um at least three facing point army of every faction right for Warhammer Fantasy, so including multiple demon factions and multiple elf factions and stuff like that. And yes, I will do that for Kings of War. I will get there. I will have all 26 armies at one point. <laughs> well, you've 
made a pretty good start. Yeah. And um, I, I say 28 mil armies in Kings of War, but um, you've done another scale in Kings of War, haven't you? Yes, this is what brings us to the 6 mil scene now. Yeah. Is, um, and, and the pandemic, actually. Because <laughs> mm. it was really the, the, the pandemic that, that brought into light, really. I, yeah. I, I stashed a, a load of 6 mil models away that I'd picked up at some show or sell or you know i mean back in the day when we were allowed to go to shows you know i mean remember those dark days oh crack yeah yeah yeah, i do remember them days mate yeah i do remember (laughs) about 10 years ago by the feel yeah it seems like it doesn't it yeah Yeah. um but yeah i I don't even know why it's fashion you know i just like i picked them up and i've and um, what we were shiny, there? Steve. Yeah. They were shiny, man. That's, that's what it takes, what, isn't what, it? You know, I mean, ooh, it's that shiny. mud pie, <laughs> that mud pie instinct. <laughs> it was either that, or it was a very good deal. Yeah. Or probably a combination of two. Ooh, shiny and ooh, cheap. And it's cheap, right? I love that. Then, <laughs> yeah, stash it. You never know when you might need it. Yeah, save it for a rainy day. Exactly. And then the pandemic hit, and then the lockdown hit, and it was like, oh, I can't go to the club anymore. Yeah. What are we going to do? So. Me and a few of the mates on on our uh, from the, from the club had started um, getting together on Messenger and doing like painting evenings. So instead of meeting up on a Sunday night um, to game, we were meeting up on a Sunday night to paint, and um, then we were chatting about it and we said, "I oh, would like to try and get some." We'd seen other people, you know. What I mean, there's um, lots of different ways you can actually still play games. Um, with the universal battle and stuff like that, but I'm not. I've yeah. never. I'm not really very computer savvy. Yeah. I'm not of that. Not of that era, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I remember when I was at school. You know what I mean. We only had one one computer in the whole school, and you only ever yeah. seen that if you were actually doing computer studies. Yeah. <laughs> and that was if you were lucky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I remember that. So it was. Um, so it was like, how can how can how can I do any gaming? And I remembered I had six mil models. And I thought, oh, well. I've got a two foot by two foot board upstairs. Well, if I ping up some of these, half the scales, I might be able to play Kings of War in six mil. Yeah. So I knocked up a few armies. Text from my mates, oh, trying to game of Kings of War six mil. And before you know it, I got four six mil armies for Kings of War. <laughs> you make it sound as though it happened overnight, Steve. It does. Uh, right, well. <laughs> I don't know. As I said, you know what I mean. Um, as as you've probably seen recently with some of the projects I'm, I've, I've been on now. Once I, as I said, once I get that bee in my bonnet, it's like the focus runs in, and that's it. Oof. You do I've you got, do have an incredible work ethic and rate of production. As we were saying before, as um, we started talking um, in, in in the recording, um, I am quite lucky in the sense now that both my girls are now grown up and bogged off shall we say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so um i do get a bit more free time now than other yeah. people so uh so yeah so most evenings you make the most of it well yeah most evenings I, I, i'm not a great tv watcher i like listening to podcasts i like um watching youtube videos and stuff like that and yeah. i like to paint so so is that about that time that i've I listened to start listening to someone's podcast. I can't remember what it was called. Um, <laughs> Some obscure little podcast, I think, probably. That was right. Yeah. I started Mate. talking about six mil, and I was like, oh, my God. God's own scale. There That's you go. That's it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. 
damn you, sir. <laughs> yeah, damn you. <laughs> and yeah, you know what I mean? It just got the old uh, mental juices flowing, shall we say. And then, yeah. You know, then we start looking around and I've always had a little bit of a thing for like the English Civil War and that's where it first started. Mm. And actually, when you start looking around, um, there's quite a lot of battles that were fought quite locally to me. So, oh, actually, there's a, there's a battlefield like 10 minutes out of the road from me. And then you start looking, yeah. don't you? You start looking all the books, looking all the interests. Well, you could try and do it in 28mm, because I had a 28mm English Civil, Civil War on me. But as I said, I've been listening to certain podcasts. Yeah. I you thought, saw wow. the light. I saw the light. I thought, yeah. you know what? I've got 17 armies for Kings of War at the moment. If I get some more 28 mil uh, models, I think the, the wife might not be best amused, shall we say. <laughs> so how can we solve well, this just become an issue, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, how can we solve yeah. this issue? Ah, I know, let's play 6 mil. So, yeah. yeah. A few books, a bit of research, and off I started um, putting together um, some 6 mil armies for the uh, Battle of Lands thing. Well... That, that, I think, will be uh, one of our main topics to talk about, actually, because mm. um, we've communicated quite a bit over the internet over the last few months, and um, I've, I've been that encouraging voice in your ear, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've, we've swapped, one, swapped one or two ideas, haven't we, and had discussions mm, about certainly. it. But um, the fact that you are looking to do the English Civil War, and I know that you've... Um, also branched out into the American Civil War, which is mm-hmm. a period very close to my heart. But, oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's quite a wide and varied hobby biography, Steve. You've, you've clearly got a, a long-lasting passion for toy soldiers of all shapes and sizes and all genres. And I'm always at pains to say on this podcast that, although it's a 6 mil base podcast, I am not... A six mil snob. I I have figures in two mil up to twenty eight and thirty two mil. I suppose you would call it, um, and play all genres. Uh, and as you know, um, into heavily into romantic stuff as well as the historical. But uh, we are a historical six mil podcast, so we'll we'll focus in on um, the your passion to get the English Civil War onto the table and. And now that you're also collecting for the American Civil War, just out of interest, those two by two rules that you mentioned, I don't know if you've seen a YouTube channel called The Joy of Wargaming on um, uh, on your visits to YouTube lately. No, I haven't. It, it's one you need to have a look at because he's using those two by two rules um, to play two mil games with. Um, and he's, he's posted up two or three videos this this week or last week, actually. Uh, about using those two by two rules so you might get a bit of nostalgia when you uh, look it up if you've used those rules yourself i've never used them i'm aware i'm aware of them but i've never actually used them myself so what was the name of that uh, youtube the, channel again the joy of wargaming right. so of i'll put the right yeah yeah i'll put the it's uh, on my list yeah, i'll put the uh, link up in the show i've talked about the joy of wargaming several times actually now uh, most recently when i was with um Gary and Colin Grimes on Across the Pond uh, war games oh, right. uh, that came out, I think, this last weekend. But, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good uh, YouTube channel for people who, who like the smaller scales, so 6mm or 2mm. He, d- he does both of those. 
He also does some skirmish gaming and 15 mil, but it's a, it's one of those YouTube channels that is really infectious. You watch one and then suddenly about three hours have gone by and you've watched half a dozen of his videos. Yeah. It's a really great uh, YouTube channel. And I don't know the guy's name. I'm going to reach out to him and hopefully get him on the show at some point. But, I was um, a bit like that. That's what, that's... The, um... Oh, sorry. No, carry on. I said I was a bit like that with the um, Little Wars TV. Yes. When you pointed me in that direction on that, it was like a, it was <laughs> it was one one video after the next video after the next video after the next video. Literally, just I clicked watch, and before I knew it, I'd probably watched every single one of the rules reviews in one in one afternoon. Like it was literally just. Yeah. It's suddenly several hours have gone by. <laughs> exactly. And... It was just like wow. <laughs> but listen, it's better than watching East End. There's all Coronation Street, isn't it? Oh. Every time. Oh. Oh. <laughs> anywho, anywho. Um, you mentioned there uh, the Battle of Lansdowne. So you're, you live in the southwest, don't you, Steve? Oh, I certainly um, do, yeah. And there was quite a bit of civil war action down there, wasn't there? There certainly was. Was it Hopton and Waller's main that's right, uh, yeah. fighting ground? Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's who actually fought at the Battle of Lansdowne and yeah. uh, Roundway as well. 1643. So yeah, Lansdowne's literally, as I said, about ten minutes up the road from me. Yeah. So your this um, recent buy-in then to six million English of war. You're going to sort of concentrate on that theatre, are you? The south south. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to start off that. I always start off. I'm trying to start off with a smallish project. So that's why I decided, as I said, obviously we'd be in Lansdowne being. Um, really close to me as well. I, I uh, bought a few books and had a little look online and visited the actual battle site myself a couple of times now and and, and walked walked it a few times as well. Me and the wife because we're, we're quite into our rambling anyway. So yeah, again, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a nice day out, you know. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I'm going to mainly stick with that at the moment. Um, but you, you don't know what, what what in the future. Well, who knows <laughs> where where it might take you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what rules are you looking at using for those? Well, I've, I've, I'm going to start off trying the uh, polymorphs. Yeah. Rules the, from Bacchus. Um, that's my plan at the moment. Um, seem a decent set of rules. I. Yep. Oh, was it? I watched the. Um, I read the blog. Is it Her- which is the blog Her- that you put up? Yes, John's uh, from Her- Heretical. That's the Heretical. one. Yeah. I can never say it. <laughs> it's one of those that words one. that I stumble <laughs> over. Yeah, Heretical Wargaming. Yes, there you go. Yes, that's right. He he did he did the um, the Battle of Lansdowne using the polymorph rules. So I've um, I could read that. Got a couple of books. Um, read a bit of that. Purchased a few of the models, but then uh, again with the pandemic, the the cart shut, and I painted everything I had. And oh, that's right! You've the brakes um, were put on. <laughs> you picked up the uh, some Bacchus figures, didn't you? And then um, yeah. obviously with I painted up. I think I've painted up the. I think the Royalists have. I think six Pike and Shot Regiment. Yeah. And I think I've done five and a half of those, a bit of artillery and um, a bit of cavalry. But I, I think I need, and I was work, trying to work out tonight, I need a region of 
So 36 regiments of cavalry, I think. Jeez. So, yeah. So, yeah. It was very cavalry heavy, shall we say. Yeah. I'm, I mean, a lot of English Civil War battles were, yes, weren't they? Definitely. The, the flanks were full of uh, cavalry and probably... Uh, well, surprising when you actually start reading up how many how many actual cavalry charges was was involved in the in, in the actual conflicts. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, and so when walking the battlefield as well, because um, as I said, uh, we me and me and the wife walked the battlefield and trying to walk up the hill that the, the uh, royalists advanced up. Um, even nowadays, in your hiking boots with uh, <laughs> with no backpack or yeah. anything like that, like. Yeah. It was a yeah. struggle, and the thought of trying to walk, or a big long pike, trying to march up there with a sixteen foot pike while people were shooting at you, <laughs> you could not imagine doing it. But I suppose people of that generation were, um, shall we say, a little bit fitter than what we are now. A bit hardier than us. I would say definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's a very interesting thing to do. Yeah, I don't know much about the Battle of Land. I don't know much about the Southwest uh, actions of the Civil War. Um, I'm looking over to my left. I've actually got a book on the Civil War in the Southwest by John Barrett. There you go, uh, which I ought to have a look at and perhaps ought to have read before this interview. But um, <laughs> can you give us a sort of elevator pitch on what uh, Lansdowne was and, and where it was fought and how it was fought? Right, so it was actually fought, as I said, it was fought in um, 1643. The army, the Royalist army, had um, advanced up from Cornwall, basically. Right. That's where, um, under the command of Hopton. Yeah. To uh, obviously they were interested. Obviously Bristol being one of the major port. I think it was the second port of, or maybe even the second city um, at the time. Yes. And had tried to stay out of the conflict as much as possible, but in the end got drawn into the conflict and became a um, uh, was taken over by the parliamentarians. Yeah. Um, so I think I think the whole, the whole thing was to was to basically capture capture Bristol. Yeah. As it being a it being being a um, being a major point. So and basically they advanced up through up, up from Cornwall. I think it was Prince Maurice. I think. So they had literally advanced up from Cornwall. Waller was in Bath. So, so who won the battle? Who won the battle of Lansdowne? Well, um, the Royalists. Right. It was it was pretty amusing, really, because the casualties were was you know I mean the the actual parliamentarian casualties was was very light. Um, he'd moved his all Waller had moved his whole army to the south end of Lansdowne Hill, and the Royalists advanced to occupy it to find themselves and their baggage in difficult position at the foot of the very steep hill. With the river behind them. I, I've read a quote, Steve, where it says the Royalist horse were roughly handled by their opponents. Oh, they certainly were roughly handled. Yeah, surprisingly, Waller didn't have a lot of infantry. They right. only had in the region of um, a thousand to a fifteen hundred foot. Right. At his disposal, what the Royalists had um, three and a half thousand to four thousand, I think, uh, two and a half thousand horse. So he did. He have more horse than um... he had more. Um, that's I think. Well, let's have a look. The Royalists had yeah, because the Royalists only had about two thousand horse. Right. So I said as we were saying, like it was literally, you know, I mean, the infantry was like mm, a lot of it was horse. Yeah. 
And there's Which, quite a bit of shenanigans going on around um, Marshfield, Lansdowne, and um, Tog Hill. Which right. is Nether Hill. It's all around in a certain area. It goes um, Lansdowne. Um, oh, what's the other one called? Freeze, Freezer Hill. I can't remember what it's called. There's like three hills. If you ever get, if you ever get a chance to come out this way, it's definitely worth going because yeah. it's, it's all signposted up. Lovely, you know. What I mean, they got right. all the battlefield um, uh, signs and the flags and everything, and a bit of description and. On, yeah. on on the conflict and so basically what happens so the, the royalists drew up their army to near Tog Hill the armies are about two miles apart at that point uh, and then there's a bit of skirmishing going on with the um, with the dragoons on yeah. either side and then the uh, royalist command decided to withdraw back to Marshfield a village that is just outside um, just along from uh, Lansdowne yeah and then the parliamentarians responded by sending a a force of over 300 horse to to attack them and supported by a load of dragoons yeah to bring them into bring them into conflict mm. the really interesting thing about um the battle of Lansdowne was when the actual royalists decided to attack um they attacked it with mainly pike i think so i think we had this conversation when we were talking about it before which which you were sh- quite shocked to hear that because of because of the way it was positioned at the time, um, yeah. to march up to top of up, up to Tog Hill, um, yeah. the uh, Waller had set uh, his um, shot to either side. Because um, when you get when when you look at the, the pictures of the battlefield, they'd actually set up earthworks on the top of um, Lansdowne Hill, and on either right. side of Lansdowne Hill, there were um, wooded areas. And they'd um, set up shot in, in, in the wooded areas um, and shot behind the, um, the earthworks. So Hopton had um, advanced forward towards the hill and he had sent um, his shot away from his pike to attack the shot that was in either flank in the yep. woods. So the advance up the hill was mainly done um, the Cornish Pike, which was pretty shocking, to be honest. Unsupported with shot. Uh, with Unsupported shot, yeah. with shot. They received charges from, I think it multiple charges from the um, uh, parliamentarian, um, oh, what's it, the lobsters. Yeah, Hassel Riggs lobsters. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, um, they had quite a few of Parliamentarians had quite a few. So that's going to be quite interesting to do um, a war, war game wise. Yeah. So you're going to use the Polymos rules, which have the mm-hmm. one base per unit, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So if how, how are you going to represent then uh, that sort of pike heavy formation? Well, I've decided uh, when, when, you look, when you look at the Polymos um rule set it um gives you different ways to represent um shot heavy shot light pike heavy by positioning of the of, of the shots on the base right okay so basically i'll, I'll use um what poly the, the polymorph rules gives you for having um pike heavy so i think it's you have a, or you have a center of three pike strip yep. pike and three strips of shot either flank but you have yeah. the pike to the front 
Ah, okay. So the pike are forward of the shot on the base. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now for the the shot only, I will do just shot only units. Bases, yeah, yeah. Because those are quite easily to be used. I was thinking about just doing pike only regiments, but then yeah. the problem with doing that it, when you move on to other way battles, when you move on to the next one, which the next major one, which was roundway, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to be looking at regiments which are going to be more standard regiments, or yeah. I thought. I could go down just the pike, but I'm not going to for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, and plus, yeah. you, you don't need a lot. As I said, I think it's six regiments of foot for the um, uh, Royalists, and I think or six regiments of pike and shot, and I think it's three regiments of just shot, yeah. or bases, shall I say. And for the Parliamentarians, I think it's only three um, bases of shot in total, right. because... Their pike did not take any part in the battle. It's basically what happened when when the Cornish hit the earthworks and pushed the parliamentarians back. They they backed off. I can't remember how many. I think it was about two hundred yards to what was yeah. known, what was called afterward Waller's Wall. Okay. So it was literally a stone wall, which you can actually, as I said, if you visit the battle site now, you can actually walk Waller's Wall, the right. actual wall that was actually there um, on the day of the battle. Yeah. Um, then there was just like skirmishing in that there. And then when night fell, this is another one of the classics that happened in Lander. When night fell, when morning came, the parliamentarian forces had gone. Basically what had happened during the night, the parliamentarians had um, left their matches on the walls to see as if they uh. were still there. And they'd put like pike up against the walls and stuff like that to, to make out the they were still there. that they were still there. Yeah. And they bogged off back to Bath. So, mm-hmm. But the problem was with the Royalists, even though they actually won the battle, they had taken so they were so heavy casualties by by actually taking the uh, winning that they were in no condition to advance on Bath. Very interesting. Well I think when these battlefields are on your doorstep and you've got that local connection to it, mm. then it, it just makes it all the better, doesn't it? I've got I've got Bloor Heath just down the road from me, uh, which mm-hmm. is Probably the first major engagement of the, um, or one of the first major engagements of the Wars of the Roses. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and having that local connection, having that local history, just brings it to life, doesn't it? And if you can stand on the on Lansdowne Hill or next to Waller's Wall, then, okay, it was four, 400 years ago, but you can, you can picture it then, can't you? And, it is. And you it say is you perhaps. walked up the hill... And you can appreciate what a climb, steep climb that was. It was, it was, as I said, it was shocking to, to, to be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, how they ever managed to do it? Well, different breed of people, I think. Different breed of people, mate. Yeah. Definitely. So um, you'll be recreating that with the the Polymos rules, and I know, as you've said, I think it was John from Heretical Gaming. He's he's played it out already. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic blog for anybody that hasn't. Yes. Uh, got over to that hereticalgaming.com, I think it's called. How are you going to build the game? So you, you've you've got some of the figures now. You're short of a few. So mm-hmm. what, what's Lots your plan? Cabri, I'm sure of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what what's your plan to get those uh, and and get them painted up and and sort the scenery out? Well, basically, I I, I mean, I managed to pick up a few more bits secondhand. Literally, just arrived today, actually. So I've got a little bit to to. Um, push me on but i'm basically just waiting for the backers cart to to reopen now which hopefully will be 
within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we're hoping cross fingers. So yeah, I've been concentrating more on um, getting my scenery done. I uh, I ordered an, um, uh, a nice gaming mat from um, I can't remember who it was by Geek. Geek, Geek Villain. Geek Villain. That was it. The fleece mat. One of their fleece mats, which is yeah. lovely, absolutely lovely um, quality. So I wanted to do the, again with Lansdowne. You you really want to take into account the undulations of the hills and stuff like that because there were three distinct hills. Like you know, what I mean, you have like Tog Hill, you have Friesen Hill, and then you have um, obviously Lansdowne Hill. So yeah. you really want to use. Um, I really want to use like hills under the under a cloth, so you get the proper undulations. Okay, so you'll you'll be placing um, a sculpted hill underneath the Geek Villain exactly, map exactly yeah. to get that exactly. rolling landscape. That's right, yeah, definitely, definitely, and that's kind of why I've you know, the the terrain I've been working on. I, I've tried to work on that type of terrain because obviously when you're putting stuff on a flat map, you know what I mean. You can make that terrain out of anything, can you? Because yeah. it's going to lie flat. But when you got when it's got to undulate again, even with the models, if you're trying to put a 28 mil model on a base on an undulating hill nine times out of ten is going to fall down isn't it yeah. <laughs> yes yes it is yeah <laughs> you know, but the, the great thing with the with the six mil on the movement tray on the little base yeah. is you know what i mean you can quite easily put it on an undulating hill and it looks right it looks perfect it looks yeah. right it's not going to move it's not going to so yeah i've been buying little miniature trees of um been building fields um, now i've seen some of your fields actually you've posted some of those up on facebook haven't you mm -hmm. uh look, before we finish you must remind me to uh mention your your painting um log that you have on, on facebook mm -hmm. uh, we'll come to that uh, towards the end um but you've you put some pictures of those fields that you've made what just tell the listeners how you how you've made those but basically, I bought, I sourced a lot of my stuff on on the classic eBay, and as you do. Basically, I come across the, uh, don't know how to pronounce this, B U S C H. Was that bus? B U S C H. Your guess is as good as mine, mate. Yeah. Let's say Bush. Bush. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a German company, to be honest. Right. So a lot of the stuff that I've used. Um, they do a lot of sets, which, which they they call like field sets, is for making your train sets and stuff like that. Right, so for model railway layout. Model railway, yeah. Ground cover, is it, for model Ground railway. covers, yeah. fields, settings like that. So yeah. they do some nice, like, bang fields and stuff like that, which is perfect for, for this type of thing. Yeah. And again, you, you know what I mean, the, the standard place for getting clump foliage, you know what I mean, you can get that from, again, from most... Um, most shops, yeah. wooden scenics and that type of thing. And yeah, it's been basically just chopping up the sheets of paper, flocking. So when you start looking at actual fields and stuff like that, you you cut out the. I was doing like some um, like wheat fields and stuff like that, and you look at it and it's like just yellow and you think, well, actually, I was walking because I live in a small village just outside of Bristol now. Uh, on one of my walks back from the shops one day, I, uh, we've got a load of farming land, literally, within view. So I was literally walking back from the shop and I was looking, what well, those cornfields are? They're not, <laughs> well, I said wheat fields, they're not, they're not just yellow, are they? They're yellow and brown and green and, yeah. you know what I mean? So 
you start adding flocks and stuff like that and little bits of grit and grass and you know what I mean until you get a bit of bit of wash and before you know it you've got something that looks, resembles more than, than like looks like a field <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting this is and I do this a hell of a lot Steve that if I'm on a drive somewhere or if I'm on a train I don't go on trains very often but I'm generally thinking how can I recreate the look of that on the walking exactly almost invariably every time I go past a field or a wood uh, and I'm thinking to myself uh, how how can I do that so you're right that I think those uh, and I've seen those sheets that you get from Bush or Busk and they can look a little bit sterile can't they they're a bit too perfect and nature isn't perfect, is it? No. Oh, definitely not. A lot of times when you see people and, and they've done like hedgerows and you think, well, that's just like, how often do you actually walk through the countryside and a hedgerow is just a hedge? <laughs> yes. At one same height. Perfectly manicured. Yeah. It's like, not, a, is it? like the world's best topiary. That's right. Just as I said, just walking Lansdowne, you're walking there, and then there's so many places where you're going through like um, a wooded area, and then there's like a like a, a massive big hedge, just like like eight to ten foot high, with trees yeah. growing out of it, and you know what I mean. It's just so, everything's so different, especially as I said, you know what I mean, over in this um, neck of the woods. You know what I mean. Well, like, I was out, is amazing. Yeah, I was out on a a walk probably a couple of months ago now, and. It, it was on a public footpath across some farmland mm-hmm. and I, we came to this hedgerow that then bordered some woodland and I was looking at this hedgerow and I was thinking if a unit of horse of cavalry were trying to cross that hedgerow mm-hmm. yep. it, it would it would be more than half speed they would take yeah, off yeah, more exactly. than half speed Definitely. Definitely. they would be disordered they would be in a right old state it'd probably take them half an hour to cross this hedgerow um in any sort of board and they'd have to redress the ranks once they got to the other side yeah. so pikeman for example again yeah. you come back to the 16 foot pike and how are you going to get that through a hedgerow yeah yeah and yet, in wargaming terms, we generally say, "Oh, yeah. take half speed off or something." Half speed, we but... just get for the hedge, you know. It's yeah. not going to be. It's not as easy as you think it is. I said we can't reality. do it now, let alone what you would do if you're fully equipped up. Like, you know, yeah, exactly, and under fire, as you've said. Uh, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you've taken some inspiration then from your local surroundings uh, to model what will be definitely. Lansdowne Hill. Definitely. Yeah. So as I said, the the, the terrain part of the um, project is it's come along nicely and that's kind of what's moved me what the, 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 the delay in in the landstand is kind of what's moved me on to um acw now yeah so um and as, as, as we just mentioned before watching certain youtube channels and listening to certain podcasts yes it gets infectious um, doesn't it it certainly does so now i'm off fighting the americans now <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Well, t- well uh, um, just before we finish on the English Civil War, then. Yes, so um, we've we've got the Geek Villain mats. Um, you've made some lovely fields that I've seen and hedgerows. Mm. I've seen you uh, take some tips from one of those YouTube channels, being Little Wars TV, for your mm-hmm. woodland. Just tell the yeah. listeners what, what that's about. Yeah, it's basically, the, um, if you actually look at a woodland, 
it's not just the odd few trees, is it? No. A woodland a bit of is, Yeah, it is a mass forest. You cannot see. Again, I, I can look out of my house and look at a, a small woodland that's literally, I'd say, about a mile away from where I actually live. And all you can see is just a blanket yeah. of trees. There is no gaps. There is... So, as I was researching uh, for the American Civil War, um, on their website, I think you've put it up before, uh, uh, ACW 6mil or 6mil ACW? That's right, yeah, the Little Wars. It's Actually, it's for the Altar of Freedom rules. That's right, yeah. yeah. It gives you details on how to make these type of forests. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I should bring an idea. So, as you do, went off and tried to board a bit, ordered some black foam. Uh, the styrofoam, yep. chopped it up, bit of uh, uh, glue, um, glue gun. Oh, burnt my fingertips to to. Uh, oh. <laughs> Dangerous things, aren't they? Dangerous things those are. Clump yeah. foliage. There you go. Cocktail sticks, and then you actually have forests. Nice. So, so what it is, is it's like the canopy, isn't it? It is. It's literally. The wood. And you don't actually have to have the cocktail sticks. The cocktail no. sticks is an optional, added optional extra, isn't it? You know what I mean? It I just gives you that some, height. You've done it? some using um, uh, horsehair, haven't you? That's right, yeah. So the version I've done is instead of using clump foliage, is uh, use horsehair, uh, rubberized horsehair. That's right, yeah. Uh, but it, it's still with the cocktail sticks to give yeah. the, it that little bit of height. But it's very much the same principle that... Um, it gives you the options. It gives you options, doesn't it? If you want to do undergrowth, then because I think yeah. you've done um, sheets of felt, haven't you, with um, club yeah. foliage and stuff on, so yeah. you can put that on to show undergrowth. That's or right. if you don't want to and you want to move models in there and stuff like that, then you don't have to put the undergrowth. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're using hills and stuff like that that are under mats yeah. that are actually rolling, you try and put individual um, for, trees. Um, trees on on on. It's just a, just won't work. You, no. you put one of these on with the cocktail sticks, or as I said, if you don't want to use the cocktail sticks, it will sit on a hill quite easily. And so look again, quite natural, won't it? I originally I was just going to use it for, not I mean for for the ACW project, but yeah. Now the more I think about it, for some of the some, because of Lansdowne being such a hilly area, certain areas now I will be doing the same thing because yeah. you know what I mean. It will make sense to do it that way. And you could just do smaller pieces, can't you, rather than exactly. sort of a, a large woodland. It'll be a copse or something That's a, right, a, yeah. that can just sit on the edge of well, the Well, what I've actually done, I've, I've, I've made a massive one um, over the weekend, actually. It's, uh, I, am, I, I didn't paste this, post this one on Facebook. I think it's literally about a foot by a foot. Right. Oh, I killed my fingers. But I've also <laughs> made, a, um, I, I had some like individual trees as well, but I made little, like, groups of trees yeah um using the individual trees i had using the same foam but actually sticking the foam into little like but instead of it just being like a flat tree obviously it's like in a like slightly built up area so these yeah. can be used to be plotted around all over the place as well and yeah. added little copses as you said that type of thing yeah. to add to the because they're, they're ten a penny you can pick up the trees for if you want trees you can pick up trees for next to nothing on a very very slow boat from China. Yes, and also there's, um, I think it's woodland scenics to yeah. the armatures. That's right, yeah. Um, which you could put either the clump foliage or uh, 
the rubberized horsehair That's right, onto. Yeah. And Brilliant. Yeah. For six for six mil, you can buy something oh. like fifty or a hundred armatures for about ten or fifteen pounds, can't you? Yeah. Well, I bought. I think it was like the styrofoam. You know, what I mean, I would look for ages yeah. trying to look for some styrofoam. Well, I didn't know it was styrofoam. I googled it and it was like, oh, pink foam. Everybody uses this pink foam. You try and order yeah. pink foam, and it's like. Hundreds of pounds, aren't Yeah, it well, is. Yeah. I'm going to spend a hundred pounds for a block of foam like that. <laughs> and then I actually put a search in for styrofoam. Again, right. it was like watching the Little Wars thing, and they were using like yeah. black styrofoam. Oh, black. Just puts a Google search in. Oh, black styrofoam. I managed to pick up like five sheets. Um, I, I don't know. They're bigger than A4. Um, but yeah, I don't know, a couple of foot each yeah. uh, for, for like about 15 quid. And I was like, wow, that's enough to do all the canopies i need to do and do some hills as well like you know what i mean for yeah. like a quarter of the price it's like it's just getting the information out there though isn't it you know it is and i think this is one of the one of the big advantages i see with six mil that these things are achievable aren't they i think to, trying to do the same thing in 28 mil trying to make these canopy woods or forests or to have hills that will roll naturally under um under a cloth and your figures won't fall down is is pretty difficult isn't it but mm. in six mil you, it's almost like your imaginations your limit the, the, oh, yeah, the only limit isn't it and some very simple techniques using bits of felt or um yeah horsehair or clump foliage or cocktail sticks and stuff that's right yeah it's just simple stuff isn't it it really is simple stuff you know? and you get a really nice looking table though exactly. don't you it's, yeah. it's not... I was shocked. I was shocked when, once I actually made the made made the first of the canopies. It was like, yeah. wow, this is just it just looks perfect. Yeah, I was it, it, it was excellent. I, I I thought it was brilliant the one that you put up. Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's really you're, you're limited by your imagination only. Yeah. And sorry, what I was going to say there you go. It's come back to me. Um, you're not putting a six inch square of felt on the table with three trees on it no. to represent a wood. That's right. Um, because it. That doesn't look like a wood, does it? <laughs> At the end of the day, that looks like you know, I mean, a copse of trees in it, and that's it. Yeah, it's it looks like three or four trees on a bit of felt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you put one of these like forests on, it looks like a forest. Yeah, yeah. And when you, as I said, I, I can look out my my window now, and and I can see a forest. Yeah. So it's a small forest, but it just covers that whole area. Yeah. And you cannot see. All you can see is the treetops. Yeah, you, and th this is something I was talking about the other day to a friend of mine, actually. If you're, say, 100 yards away from that wood or forest where you are or one just down the road from me, you can't actually see individual trunks, can you? All yeah. you can see no. is the foliage that's it. That's as it hangs down and the that's undergrowth. That's all, that's all you can see. Yeah, yeah. So I think the effect is great, and um, it really adds that look of that rolling landscape that I've talked about so often with six mm. mil figures that you can get this, this rolling landscape and it, it looks pretty realistic for minimal effort. That's right. And that's what you're looking for, isn't it? You know? What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can do some lovely terrain for like 28 mil and stuff like that. But oh you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's not cheap. It's <laughs> not cheap at all. Or when you look it's, at it, it's either not cheap or you've got to be a very good modeler. Well, I think I just ordered a couple of um, resin bridges for 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 ACW, yeah. And um, literally, I think they were like three quid. Yeah. These little bridges. It's like <laughs> try and play that and buy down twenty eight mil, and you're, exactly. you know what I mean. You're talking like thirty, forty quid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like 
just out of interest, who have you ordered them from, Steve? Uh, it was just some chap off eBay. Oh, okay, right. So, yeah. Yeah, I know that um, there's a couple of companies I've been using lately, um, mm. Leaven Miniatures. Yes, I've seen, yeah, I've seen your uh, video of... Um, the unboxing. Oh, your unboxing of your... Is it the Mons stuff? Yes, for the Mons game for First World War, yeah. For the that's, First World War. Oh, that's another... That's another project I'll have to do. <laughs> the thing well, is, I've been selling off a lot of my 28mm historical stuff right? to move it to 6mm. So, oh, okay. you know what I mean? This is the way it is going now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm very much the same, I think. I think I've, I've got substantial collections in 15mm, and albeit um, I'm, I'm not convinced I'll sell everything, but I've, I've, I had a big purge a, a, about 18 months ago, and it was quite cathartic. Mm. clearing out old unfinished projects never to be finished projects yeah receiving the it's cash true. for that and reinvesting it into yeah. something that i know that's, i'm going to use that's what i do with all my stuff it's all reinvested in another project if, if yeah. i'm not going to use it i thought i had love for it yeah just move on and do something else you know yeah exactly yeah life's too short isn't it it is me it is definitely yeah so um the english civil war was the first sort of dabble back into historical six men um but due to various reasons one of the principal ones being the covid uh restrictions that backers have found themselves under uh you dropped on a, a small deal on some american civil war figures didn't you mm-hmm i certainly did was, was that ebay or facebook or? no no that was through um the six mil site that's right. On yes. Facebook. Yeah. 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 I remember now. So uh, just talk us through that then, because you, I remember you messaging me and saying, "Is this a good deal?" Yeah, I can't remember how much it was. No, it wasn't. It wasn't extortionate, was it? No, no. It was because like, like, 50, when like I looked at the, notes, I think I said. Yeah. Or no, no, no. forty? Was it forty? Forty I've or got fifty 40 notes? Pound yeah, in my head. yeah it's like, it was thinking on that. I think I can't remember now. To be honest, the exact amount. You, you <laughs> it all blurs into. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mrs. was listening at the time, you know. Yes, so. twenty pounds. That's what it was. <laughs> twenty pounds. <laughs> but you, you, you got a considerable amount. Anyway, yeah, it, it was, was a very good deal. Very good deal. So just it talk was us a through that. Deal than I thought when when you actually get the stuff through, it was like wow. When yeah. you start counting up the amount of models that you actually got, it's like wow. This crazy. Yeah, because when you asked me the question, the um, there was a couple of pictures, I think. Mm-hmm. And I looked at those and I thought, well, I'm not quite sure it is a good deal. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, I know that it, it absolutely was a good deal, wasn't it? Because there's a lot more figures in the Yeah, in I the think deal. it was something. The, the chap who had um, who was selling it, he, he, he had painted it to, to like an average game in standard. It's not fantastic. But yeah. Some stuff was partly painted. So that kind of block. But a lot of stuff wasn't actually based up. Yeah, a lot of stuff was just literally bagged and stuff like that, especially especially like the Union troops. Yeah. Um. So when you actually got it back here, I I can't remember. I, I think I had, I think I said said to you I got like a region of like a thousand, um, of each type of infantry, and so that's quite you know I mean that's that's good anyway, isn't it? You know, <laughs> that's enough to keep you started for a while. It is very Artillery, very much so. Yeah. Cavalry. Yeah. And, and which what make were they adler adler miniatures no they're very nice aren't they they're they are nice. they are very nice yeah yeah i was surprised they're slightly different from the backers and in, in the they're um they, they seem to be a lot more dynamic 
yeah. poses. But and they don't come in like the, the the strips they come in. They come in strips that you literally need to cut them off the strips and place. Yeah, them they're, they're in file, aren't they? As opposed, they're in right, file yeah. as opposed to in line. So that's right. Yeah, you you snip them off and then baste them individually. That I, I think a bit like rapier actually. Rapier the same. It is a bit fiddly, shall we say? Right. I did find that a bit when I was first in. Oh my god, what have I done? I got to stick all these thousands of models on the bases individually cutting them. It's like oh my. But well, yeah. you say that, Steve, but I think pretty quickly it seemed like within a couple of hours of you announcing that you'd received this package you've got two or three brigades done already well yeah well you know you know me mate <laughs> no time like the present oh that's right you know got to get that that was on the table <laughs> so let's let's talk about this project then so uh what rules are you going for with uh the six mil americans of war altar of freedom Ultra freedom. A yeah. favourite. Again, the... again, I don't know who like, persuaded me to go down that route. I don't know. Someone, <laughs> I don't know which person that was. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah, you, know I mean? <laughs> you, watch, you watch the Little Wars game and then, oh, that was it. That was like, oh, wow, that is what I want to play. Yeah, yeah. As I said, being, in a, being a, in, a, in a club as well where we've got quite a few members that are interested in historical gaming and love this type of game in any way. Yeah. To find people to play it, it was like as soon as I said I was doing it, you know I mean, the amount of hands that came out, like, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, 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 I'll play, I'll yeah. play, yeah, I'll play. Yeah. I've already thought for the first game that hopefully we'll be playing in a couple of weeks. I think we've booked it for the club for about the 8th of November. I've, I've got like four people signed up, so. Right. I'm almost at the maximum of six people at the table, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Under current restrictions, we're that's sort right, of yeah. uh, limited on how many people around. Yeah, the table. I won't be able to do anything like any of the big battles. Like, no. Moment. No Gettysburg. Just no me. Gettysburg yet, mate. You'll have to wait until the pandemic's out for Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which which battle have you stumped for? Because I, I know you like to collect towards a certain battle, don't you? Like with Lansdowne, you. You've got the order yeah. of battle for that, and you yeah, I've got the order that. of battle. So also at Flansdown now, I so said I just need to get the most about So I started off with um, I did like a Shiloh first, but I thought, yeah. well, no, let's not get too carried So I went for Champion Hill as, yeah. as, as my first um, project, and yeah. I'm happy to say it's complete. Wow! Well, <laughs> I, I say complete. I'm just doing the last two um, HQ bases, and oh, two, two and... HQ bases, sure. Right, so you you I, I can't remember when you first talked uh, talked about picking up this bargain bucket of Adler figures, but it's not an awful long time ago. Probably We're talking of yeah, it's like a matter of weeks, isn't it? So let's let's yeah. say four weeks. Yeah. Um, and when I first wanted to play Ultra Freedom, I bought from Bacchus the whole Order of Battle Frontiertum. Oh, just starting uh, somewhere small there, mate. And don't yeah. <laughs> well, what 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 I'm angling to say is that uh, I've only just scratched the surface of the figures that I picked up 12 months ago for that, and you're already at the stage where you're going to get to play your first game. What can I say, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel somewhat inadequate and jealous. I, more I, to the point. As I said, I just get if. If I get the feel for something, I just yeah, that's it. Hook, line, and sinker. I'm in. I just want to get it done. I've already, as I said, I've finished. I've done the last two command bases, but I've already because I was waiting for the bits. I just I ordered some more bits and pieces from um, um, a regular. 
I ordered yeah. some uh, train tracks uh, oh, yeah. for for the Champion Hill battlefield. Um, and I was short, so while I was there, I ordered some uh, some tents and some uh, barrels and fires and stuff like that. So I'm, oh, I said uh, before we just start recording, I'm chopping up um, artillerymen at the moment to make camp followers out of them, so I can do my two HQ. Uh, Bases that I'm sure of because I got the two wagon ones, which you've already seen. Yeah, I realized I needed another two, so I went ah, so so I'm in the process of doing that. And then it's um, I've also got the next two brigades of um, Confederates and Union on for the next project, which is going to be obviously Shiloh, isn't it? So, right, yeah, so um, we've we have communicated about this, but I've now committed myself to a painting schedule for my own American Civil War project uh, and Shiloh will be the f- actually no Bull Run will be the, I think the first stop um, but I know that Greg Wagman and, and the guys at Little Wars TV say that battle is probably a little bit too small for the scale that Ultra Freedom plays at because I, I think it's around about 10 or 12 brigades aside mm. so a little bit small um, but Certainly, it can be a stopgap for me on the way towards Shiloh, and then obviously on Antietam following that, which I think is 44 brigades of Union and 31 of Rebs. Mm, yeah. uh, so it's, it's a sizable chunk. That is but, a sizable chunk, yeah. But I know Shiloh is, is a game that I've seen uh, a couple of battle reports for. Uh, using Ultra Freedom, and those woods that you've made are going to come in very handy for it, aren't they? Exactly. Well, even Champions Hill, Champion Hill. You know, yeah. I mean, when you actually look at the battlefield, because um, the maps that are said, you know, what I mean, the Little Wars TV guys, that the, the information. You know, I mean, the, the stuff that Greg's put up and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The maps, the details, the oh, it's just absolutely brilliant. You look at the maps on those and the amount of like wooded area. I'm forest. just looking at it now. Actually, I haven't read. I'm. I don't think I've looked at it very closely. But yeah, it's it's practically. Well, it's a it's a western battle. So mm. it's it's it was. It should have been obvious to me that there's a lot of woodland out there. But yeah, yeah it, it's very much like the Shiloh battlefield, isn't it? That it's. Yeah. Well, it's surprising actually. I've I've been looking, watching a few videos on it. I was watching it, only watching a video last night about um, yeah about the bridge because I was trying to work out what the bridge was, what type right. of bridge it was, if it was a stone bridge or. Or a, or a wooden bridge. Yeah. And I was watching some chap walk in the battlefield um, yeah, last night on on YouTube, okay. chatting about it. So, and that's when you actually it, again. Not when I know you're not there in person, but you're watching someone walk the battlefield. And you're thinking, wow. Especially yeah. over in America, because they do they do look after their battlefields over there. They do in the main. Yes. There's. Um, yes. It's 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 on my bucket list to get out there and, and walk some of these battlefields. I, I know Champion Seal, Champion Seal is one of the ones that isn't so you know what I mean um, preserved preserved yeah. stuff like obviously like Gettysburg and stuff like that. You know, yeah, but, but yeah, I'd love to go over there and see some of those battlefields. So that looks like a four foot square table it then is, for yeah. Champion Seal. Um, yeah, with. Uh, some railroad on it you've got yeah a, got a, me, a river. i've got me railroad i've got me a railroad from a regular miniature so Excellent. i've been uh, so yeah that's that's all that's all bought. i've got me me stream on order i've got me bridge bridge um a friend of mine who is doing the roads so it's okay. basically i've uh 
I'm just working on the woods and that now, so obviously you need to sort out the hills as well, but yeah. I said we're going to be playing that one at um, my local club, so yeah. hills are not a problem when you've got a gaming club. No. no. <laughs> I was going to run it on the standard, like because um, we got a lot of gaming mats at the club, so I was yeah. going to run it on the standard gaming mat, but I think I'm going to take my um, geek villain mat down. Yeah. yeah, it's a six by four, but just fold it up a bit. Yeah, it's such cool. a nice mat. Yeah, and you can um, do the undulating hills so nicely on stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm really tempted with the the geek villain mat. Um, I've when certainly when you got yours, and I think Pear Broden, um, mm-hmm. there's Pear's uh, um, usual shout out on the show. Hello, Pear. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's got one of the the geek villain mats as well. They, they just look absolutely gorgeous. And I know mm-hmm. Pear has bought the hip the plastic vac formed hills from Callistra mm. uh to put under under the mats and they, they look great yeah. um so you you've got the railroad you you said you've got some stream on the way where's that coming from i'm a uh, chap off ebay okay sourced off ebay again so yeah and you've got a friend making the roads friends making the roads yeah but and he's yeah. actually it's quite funny actually he's just literally been locked down because um being on the on the close close of the the Welsh border, he actually lives oh, yeah. in Chepstow, okay, which is over the bridge. So he's actually now hits lockdown. I think it is on this Friday, yeah. And I think he comes out of lockdown. Our game's booked for the eighth, and he should come out of lockdown on the sixth. <laughs> All being well. All being well. <laughs> so otherwise, I might have to source. I've got the armies, so you know what I mean. I might have to source some 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 more roads. So, but I had actually picked up um, some roads off of the, off of eBay um, yeah. a while back for Vanstone anyway. So uh, I may have to visit that person again and say, "Give me more roads." So, uh, when you talk about the bridge, you're talking about the Seven Bridge. Yes. Yeah, you might you might have to have a meeting halfway across the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what he's like as well. When, when he actually knows, when he actually, because he's a retired gentleman, and, and you know what I mean, he, he's, he's of that age, and when, when he when he actually realizes he's not going to be able to come home game, game in for a couple of weeks, he's going to be, he's not going to be, he's going to be pulling his hair out at home, I think. He's not going to be happy. <laughs> not going to be a happy bunny, but it uh, is what it is, isn't it? We've all got to do what we've got to do. Of course we have, yeah. So uh, that that project looks as though it's even further advanced than the English Civil War project. Yeah, it's kind of taken over really, because yeah. like I said, with 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 the with the backers being shut at the moment, which is completely understandable. But you know what I mean? It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stuff can cross over, especially on the terrain wise. Obviously, there's certain yeah. things you know what I mean. They ain't gonna cross over, but a lot of the stuff will cross over. So yeah, if I'm tre- building trees and roads, trees will and yeah. roads and streams and stuff like that it's only like the stuff also well railways and i mean obviously the field's slightly different you get yeah. more of the um corn fields isn't it the, yeah the taller crops i think the yeah. taller crops and stuff in the states mm. and stuff like that and the hedgerow slightly different and, and stuff like that but yeah but nothing there and some fencing across there snake rail fencing and that's that. right yeah we're gonna need a bit of snake rail fencing or a bit of snake rail mate Not me. yeah it's not American Civil War if you haven't got some snake rail. Got to have some of that, yeah. It's definitely not American Civil War. Well, you're already expert on the American Civil War anyway. That's why. That's why well, well yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people that thinks you've got to have some snake rail fencing on your table, <laughs> yeah. or it's not the American Civil War. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but so, so that's great. So, um, are the will you need more figures then for Shiloh, or oh, is of it? Of course. 
<laughs> and will I need more food? Um, I don't know for sure, though, actually. I'm yeah. just trying to work it out. Because I think Champions Hill is... Just trying to think off the top of my... I think 16 Brigades of Union. Yeah. And... Is it nine of Confederates? Right. And I think it goes up to 20 for Union... And 16, 15, 16. Yeah, so it's a bit more, isn't it? It's yeah, for Shiloh. Yeah. I think I've got the majority. I might have to. Oh, basically, what I did, I said to you before, what I did um, before is I, I put an edit order in to Adder anyway, because yeah. the chap I bought, obviously, I don't think he was using it for this. I think he was using it, going to be using it more for, um, I'm guessing, Fire of Fury or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And there was not a lot of command bases, and obviously with the um, Ultra Freedom, you seem to need more command bases. Yes. Because you're yeah. only having, I think I've got, what's it, 24 models on a stand. Right. With skirmishers as well, yeah. With that, including skirmishers. So, yeah. so two lines of 10 and, and four chaps. Yeah. So um, well, I think he had it set where he, where he was doing like blocks of just infantry with no command. Yes. So I'm yeah. guessing he was doing multiple bases together to make brigades and stuff like that. Right. To make regiments. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of the command bases, so I had to put an order in to, order to get some extra command bases. So, um, yeah, I can see another order going on at some point. <laughs> I've got a lot of the basics, as I said, the basic rifleman, the basic advancing rifleman. It's just bits. And you know what it's like. You suddenly start looking at the bits and pieces on the on. on, on that they do it. Oh, yeah, I've got to have one of them. <laughs> well, I was looking at regular miniatures when I was ordering this stuff, and they do some of the some of the, um, the ironclads and that. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. I, th- ooh. I, think, I think we talked <laughs> about this the other day, didn't we, that yeah. um, you need is it the USS Tyler for Shire. That's right, yeah. Um, and the regular mini... Go on. Yeah, you can. Uh, the irregular miniatures website is one of those that you can lose yourself in yeah. and think i'll have one of them one of them one of them one of them and yeah. before you know you spent about 30 quid on nothing <laughs> exactly yeah well, yeah they, you know flaming do... pig and a, a couple of barrels yeah i think i don't think they do the exact i don't i don't do the the tyler but they do no is it lexington they do something like it's it's a it's an it's iron or american civil war ship yeah. isn't it? it's, yeah. it's an american civil war ship looks like it's a pad i think it looks like it's a paddle like yeah. armored paddle steamer yeah it would do the job you know exactly. what I mean? and it, it's such a reasonable price as well yeah yeah does some fine stuff. well it'll certainly be where i go for it it'll be where i go for it i think for my game so yeah um so, they're brilliant for that sort of thing as i said yeah. getting the train track i got some tents i got some baggage bits you know i mean stuff like that from a regular are absolutely fantastic and it's like that crimean stuff you've been doing oh yeah that looks amazing absolutely yeah amazing. yeah i'm really pleased with how it's come out it's it's, ama- it's odd in that i think how it was photographed and, and put up um makes it look more than it is because it's it's literally 22 inches by 16 inches so less than two foot by less than Mm. foot and a half crazy but but it it just looks and again let's let's not shy away from the fact this is a great advantage of six mil i built that battlefield in a day and that was with polystyrene and um some uh, almost paper mache type uh ground Mm. cover uh, painting it and uh, getting the the gloss on the on for the river uh, and a little bit of um, 
greenery on just to break up the uh, the sort of arid look of uh, of the Crimea. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things. And a regular miniatures, the figures themselves. Um, I've I've spoken about this before, but um, in the bare flesh, people might moan and groan that they aren't quite as clean castings as some of the newer figures. But once you painted them up, they they look great yeah, and fantastic. from all games distance you you would never know so i'm a, I'm a big fan of a regular as i said i i, I did it back in the day i did a um austrian um napoleon Rank army and that looked actually cracking at a distance absolutely yeah. obviously when you look up close yeah, but as we've always said before when we talk about six mil and six mil painting and stuff like that you're just showing it some color in it yeah dab of flesh here dab of white here for the austrians coats in it dab of brown yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah and you're done aren't you yeah, you're done. It. You're done. You're done. Um, so we, you've got quite a lot on your plate than <laughs> yourself. We've well, got you? loads on my plate, mate. You know. Yeah. Um, let's just go back to those Kings of War armies then, because mm-hmm. I know that you started some of these last year, didn't you? Um, and uh, I don't know. Did were they a regular miniatures? The all the Kings of War stuff is a regular miniatures. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, that's all regular miniatures. Yeah. And and that's almost like a travel battle version of Kings. Yeah, of- yeah. Literally, it can. Literally, it all goes in one little. I mean, all the I've got four, was it four, maybe six armies, all in just one of those little like um, tackle box tray right. things, like uh, bead tray things. It's just amazing. You could have your little. You got your rulers in there, your dice in there, everything you need. So to convert Kings of War then to six mil, what what have you done with the rules? Basically, I made it quite simple. I, we didn't want anything, you know. What I mean, I'm quite lucky with the with the group of players I play with now. We're not really like what what we class like power gamers. Are. We're just interested in playing games and having fun. Yeah. So you've got to take a few, like you know, what I mean, nothing's perfect. So basically, just half all the measurements. Okay. Nice and simple. So it's everything's like, in inches, isn't it, in Kings of War? Yeah. So, so if you normally fire 24, you can fire 12. Right. If you normally move 6, you can move 3. Yeah. The only real issue you had was the basin, but again, you just learned... You, I just took a, took a standard unit as a standard size to say... What's the start off with? Say the Amazons. I've done like an Amazon army, which is like yeah. kingdoms of men. They're equivalent. And I took the base for a base regiment on a 20 by 20 mil square base that's yeah. a regiment and then you just work on that to make your other units because kings of war it's literally it's, it's like elements each thing is like an element so yeah. you have like regiments troops hordes and you have like your monster and, that. and it's just taking that as that is your standard regiment size so to make a horse you could do two 20s together so yeah. it's 40 by 20 to do a troop is uh was that 20 by 20 by 20 yeah so and just do it that way it's it's, it's pretty simple the only problem you get the, the real issue is when you start getting down to the character models because obviously a normal character in kings of war for example say like a regiment's on a what's it now 100 100 by 80 uh, yeah 100 by 80 so a character is on a 20 by 20. So how do you represent yes. a 20 by 20 millimetre base yeah. in 6 mil? But you just got to fudge it a little bit, to yeah. be honest. 
So yeah. as long as you play in that sense, you're never going to get. It's like playing. We, we, me and my friend were playing over Messenger. So I was, I was moving my stuff, and I show him the picture with my my camera, and then he'd ask me to move things. I'd measure everything out for him, show it on picture. So yeah, it took longer to play. Things weren't perfect. Measurements weren't perfect, but it's having fun. It's enjoying yourself. That's well, what exactly. Games about. Yeah, you've got you're getting the figures out on the table. You're rolling some dice. You're not really bothered who wins or loses, just so long as both of you have a good time. We had some absolutely cracking games. And my, my friend went on to like start thinking about building a Kings, Kingdoms of Men army. Yeah, so he was playing the Kingdoms of Men. I was playing like ra- loads of random different armies because, as I as I just said, as I painted a new army, right this week I'll be painting, playing. <laughs> <laughs> what do I feel like this week? Yeah, yeah what should I paint out this week? Again, do you know what I mean? To paint up a, a Kings of War army. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's so quick in six mil. Yeah. It's literally, you know what I mean? Because a standard, like, for example, 1995 to 2000 point list would have in 28 mil, you're talking between 10 to 14 elements. Yeah. So to paint up 10 to 14 elements in, like, six mil, like the Ogre Army that i done. <laughs> yeah. That four must have been quick. Per, yeah, four models yeah. per base, like you know what I mean, for your for your hordes. Yeah. It's like, well, literally, you can you could really probably just do that in a night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you put set your mind to it, I didn't. I spread it over a bit, but literally, you could do. Especially yeah. like painting as as you've been, you put a couple of videos up on painting. Um, uh, was it Mercs of War stuff? That's that? right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, painting six mil. And painting twenty eight mil are different disciplines, aren't they? Definitely, definitely, um, completely. And, and you've you've shown this because we've joked, but you are a prodigious prodigious uh, painter of figures mm. and and armies. And mm. the, you might knock out a, a twenty eight mil Kings of War army in three or four weeks. Sometimes once mm. you've once you've really yeah. scrummed down to, but it can be three or four days, can't it, for a, a, a six mil army? Oh yeah. Um, and you can be up and running, particularly if you get a couple of the army packs from irregular miniatures. Oh, yeah. Again, the value is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know and it, you, you buy two of those packs and you could probably make enough for at least a thousand point army oh, each in Kings of War. Um, and that, that's a game, isn't it, that you could play across your dining room table. I said we were uh, playing literally on two by two. On right. Two by two board. Okay. There you go. So... You know, what I mean, you can. It doesn't get, get much simpler than that. It doesn't. And with a game like Kings of War, the rule set is so simple anyway. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's, it's one of those. Uh, I know it's a bit of a cliche, is you know what I mean? It's like uh, it's easy to learn. You know what I mean? But hard to master. And Kings master. of War is that. Yeah. That is what it is, and that's why I love it so much. Well, it, it is, and I know we're straying off topic, perhaps a little bit, but it is one of the. It is a. Um, it's a complex game. Mm. but simple it's a simple game to play but with complexity in it isn't it exactly so exactly. um it could never be called a bland game oh because as a fantasy game you've got um many and varied races and 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 magic and magic items and different troop types but the actual core mechanics are incredibly oh. simple aren't they absolutely and that and that, that is that is one of the great things about it. Literally, and you, can, you can teach somebody 
to play Kings of War, well, within the first, say, half an hour of playing, yeah, I've shown so many people how to play Kings of War, especially like my local club. Within half an hour, you could just walk away from the table. And leave them to it. From two new people playing. Yeah. And what I think what it allows is for you to concentrate on your tactics. Yes. And, and the actual game, as opposed to worrying about factors or millimetres or angles or any of the other rubbish that you perhaps get in some of those older systems that we used to slog and flog ourselves with back in the day. But, but even uh, in some of these his, historical games, and that's why I like Altar of Freedom and yeah. games like that has really come into my focus now. And yeah. even, like, you know what I mean, like the polymorphs systems yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's just looking at those rules that the basis of the rules are simple to learn. Yeah. It's not too complex. It's no. just afterwards... It, it's simple, not simplistic. Exactly. Isn't it? Um, and th- that's what's attracted me to the Altar of Freedom rules. Well, m- mainly watching the Little Wars TV, yeah. YouTube uh, battle reports, actually. But those swines. Those swines, <laughs> yes, Greg. a lot of money. <laughs> We're shaking our English gentleman fists your yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the... There's that added chrome in there, isn't there, with the leader character types um, and the, the little the characteristics that you, your generals can have. But it's just it is just such a simple system. Mm-hmm. And any game that can let me play the Battle of Antietam on my table at home, or the Battle of Gettysburg on my table at home, uh, to a conclusion in three or four hours mm-hmm. uh, at most, is is always going to win me over. Mm-hmm. That's not the only rule set you've bought from them, though, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Confession time now, Steve. Oh, dear. And what was it? I bought Age of Hannibal? Age of Hannibal, yes. Yeah. Well, on, on my bedside table, funnily enough, I have uh, Brian Caven's The the Punic Wars, the, mm. the book. Because Ancients has never been much on my radar. Oh, no, uh, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a general understanding of... of Mm. ancients but it, it's pretty limited really mm. um but age of hannibal is definitely uh, a project for 2021 for me yes yes uh, yeah I, I will definitely be um purchasing some ancient shall we say mm. again that that system looks it's, it's really exciting me these systems they really are you know what i mean to Sorry? play big games they're really exciting me to play big games again yes 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 yeah yeah i mean the largest game i ever played it was um we done waterloo a couple of times at, at my club using um 172nd scale like plastic yeah um we played it twice i think was it the anniversary a couple right. of years ago we yeah. played um didn't you have every unit present yeah we had yeah yeah well if i get involved in these type of things mate you know what i mean i think i said did i I send you some pictures um yeah go large or go home (laughs) yeah so we had we had every single regiment um present representation of every single regiment present on the um on the on the battlefield we played it i can't remember the size of the sign of 14 i mean now it's got to be bigger than that we used to have a whole big. hall. Yeah, it was big. I think, I've I've seen it. We had 14 6x4 tables. <laughs> That's where 14 came into mind. 14 6x4 tables. Okay. It was absolutely epic. And what rules did you use for that? 
black powder. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Again, another set of rules that, you know I mean? Not everybody love, loves black powder, but the one thing that black powder, it gives you, when you play big games like that, it'll give you a conclusion. Yes. We played Waterloo twice over two different day, two different times over a day. Yeah. And both times we, we come to a conclusion by the end of the game. You got a reason. I think we played something like about five, six turns the first time or about seven turns the second time. And both times we were at about where you could look at the battlefield and say, yeah, this is the conclusion. And both times Napoleon actually won. Well, this often happens, doesn't it, in recreations of Waterloo that Napoleon does it because uh, he, well, he he's not suffering with syphilis or some stomach ulcer that affected his performance on the day. But both times he had won, but he'd taken so heavy casualties that he would not have been able to advance on, on, right. on, Brussels. on Brussels. So, yeah. in a way, it was the kind of the right conclusion, if you're not. Yeah, a Pyrrhic victory, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was fantastic. Again, we had about like 10 people involved on both, both times. And again, it was those type of games where you can get those massive multiplayer games going. Yeah. And again, playing in 6 mil, it's, oh my God, mm. games you can get. Well, you certainly wouldn't need 14 6x4 tables yeah, to do Waterloo and 6 mil. And the, and the other thing is that, and you've hit the nail on the head there talking about black powder, but equally applies to the other rule sets that we've talked about tonight, that you get that conclusion. Now, I've, I've been involved in big battle recreations, mm. And two things, there's one of two things happen. One is that you run out of time and you've, you've only just made real contact with the enemy mm. by the time yeah. uh, you, you pack up or people get bored because yeah. uh, in any big battle, there's going to be moments that there's going to be areas on the battlefield where lots happening and other areas of the battlefield where not much is happening. And if you're at down the end where not much is happening, well, you're going to start losing interest quite quickly, aren't you, in, in these big Definitely, games? Definitely, yeah. But I think in, in the rule sets that we talked about tonight, whether it's Polymos, whether it's the Ultra Freedom Age of Hannibal, um, if you've got two or three players aside, it's pretty much um, you're active all the time. Yes. From, from what I'm, yeah. I'm seeing, what I'm reading, what yeah. I'm watching. Um, and like you, it's it's inspired me to start to think about these big battles of history yeah um, and and that's where i can see my historical gaming going and it's it well it is going in that direction with the mm. first world war actions that i'm looking to recreate hopefully get into the joy six next year i hope you can get mm. up to that actually steve to the yeah it would, be, it would be it would be it would be nice to get to, to if if, yeah. if the world's back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like it's, it's a certainty. Well, God knows oh, where we're going to be next where, July. Yeah, who knows where any of us are going to be next year. It's just like, it's uh, but I, I've got uh, a table booked to play uh, part of the Battle of the Somme. Um, or the Somme. Which, which I said to you before, I have, I have, a, I have an interest in anyway. As I, yes. As I, I said to you before, I researched um, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my great uncles and one of them died. At the Somme or the beginning of the Somme? So, yep. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you're more than welcome to join me at the table, mate, and, and mm. help me out on that. That would that would be great. But um, the, these rule sets and 6 mil in particular for me. Now, listen, I know that there's people out there with very deep pockets or lots of time 
uh, and lots of space to play some of these very big battles in 28 mil. And I am not knocking that at all. But for me, and I think for people that listen to this podcast in particular, uh, 6 mil allows the average gamer to play some extraordinary battles. Um, And little wars have have shown this, haven't they, time and time again. Mm. There are Sandal Warner episode was just stunning and absolutely fired me up for some um, uh, Anglo-Zulu war um, uh, interest. Uh, There's the Battle for Berlin, which they've just released. And I'm I'm now thinking, I've I've got a friend who's just... (laughs) I've got a friend who's just... Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> well, I've got a friend who's just bought a 3D printer, and I'm thinking, ah, that 3D Reichstag, uh, 3D oh, printed Reichstag. No. That looks lovely. <laughs> oh, dearie me. <laughs> it will happen at some point. It will happen. Yeah, definitely. Def- yeah. I can definitely see it happening. I can definitely see it happening. Yeah. I'll have to clean out, clear out some of my other... Um, 28 and 15 mil World War II stuff before I go World War II, I think. Yeah. Just keep keep the boss happy. (laughs) (laughs) Is she listening? (laughs) No, no. She she went to bed hours ago, mate. Oh, that's all right. (laughs) You're in safe company. I am, mate, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that's that's the the crux of it, isn't it? That these figures uh, just uh, and these rule sets, it's the combination, isn't it? It's the scale of the figure that we're using and these rule sets that l- allow you to play these big games and you don't need 14 six by four tables no, that's to play them on so um i don't know if you're familiar with storm of steel youtube channel um a guy yes, called yeah. Alex who's, who's been on the show he's he's got a video of him playing waterloo on mm. his table which i think is round about six foot five four mm. foot mm-hmm. um using the blucha rules um absolutely fantastic battle report he, he did on there yes uh, covering yeah, um and it just brings it within reach doesn't it of, it certainly does of the average gamer and it isn't something that has to take over your hobby life so again i'm not pointing fingers at 28 mil gamers but if you want to play that same size game that alex played uh collecting in 28 mil well that's five or ten year project yeah, that's it your lifetime project, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. Well, it, it took Alex two or three years to collect that amount of figures in in six mil. But if two of you are doing it, then you know you could do, that could be a, a project that you you say, well, uh, we'll start October twenty and hopefully get the game on in October twenty twenty one. That's right. Yeah. Uh, if if two of you are collecting for it, or it's a club project, but. Um, you mentioned about taking Champion Hill down to your club then. So is there a lot of historical gaming down at your club? Yes, quite a bit of historical gaming. Yeah, we've got um, quite a few members that were into historical games, Chain of Commands. Um, some of them are playing, obviously, um, World War II, GHQ. They were using GHQ models, I can't remember. Oh, Iron yeah. Cross, Cross of Iron. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. There's quite a bit of that being played. Um, I've been playing a bit of, you've probably seen on Facebook, I've been playing a bit of um, ECW using a friend of mine's Paper Soldiers. Oh, Pikeman's yes. Lament. Pikeman's Lament. Again, that coming up actually on the, on the weekend, this Sunday actually. Very good. So we've been playing some multiple games of that. They're lovely, aren't they, those paper figures? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, we're, we've, got a, we've got a group of about, I think it's about 
four or five retired um, gentlemen that also yeah. use the um so we've got a uh, quite a nice gaming shop up uh, by us now as well called um big bristol independent gaming yeah and you can hire out tables um there and they, they meet up there a couple of times a week obviously being retired and, and they play a few campaigns um so uh played quite a bit of flame water tanker we played quite a bit of that it's, it's just lots of things going on you know we have people the strange thing is we don't have a hell of a lot of gw being played the only really? game that is really popular gw wise down our club is um lord of the rings spg right okay that's interesting so, uh, that's a game I've played myself, actually, or yeah. I have played. I've got quite a large collection. We've got quite a big group of about, I'd say, about eight or ten people that, that, that are really heavily into it. And, so, and quite a few of them are heavily into like the tournament scene and that, when the yes. tournament scene is around and about. Yeah. And, we keep, you know I mean? keep having to add that caveat in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they're really, you know what I mean, they've been campaigns down our club and everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've had like eight or ten people. Yeah, like involved in it, so it's it is very popular here. But you, you Age of Sigmar, no nothing. I think I've seen since Ninth Edition Forty K arrived, which is the new one, isn't it? Um, I think I've probably seen two games of that. Right, and that's been out well a month or so, two months. A bit longer, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah, is that that? yeah, probably so, three yeah. four months now. So I've probably seen about two games of it. That's quite unusual, isn't it, for what sounds like a sizable club? Yeah. Um, that particularly... We get average. I think on average we have. We probably have about five tables running on an average night, five or six tables. Yeah. Some of those games would be like just two people playing, and then we've got quite a bit of role playing that's been going on recently. We've yeah. Had quite a bit of like D and D's come back into favour and that and stuff like that. So then you get like two or three people, maybe four or five people sat around the table. And board games, Talisman, that's become popular. And um, oh, what's that historical one? Commanding Colours. Oh, yes. Yeah. That seems to be quite popular down, down the club at the bottom, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we have a very, very mix. But we're the type of club that if you want to come turn up and play whatever you like, you can play whatever. If you want to come turn up and play your card game, you can turn up mm. and play a card game. You know what I mean? We, we're, we're not like... If you want to come and join, play one of our games, get involved, come along. So is it typically like you're doing with uh, Champions Hill, where you're going to collect up both sides and provide most of the scenery? Would it be that you say, I'm, I'm going to put the battles Champions Hill on using all the freedom, I'm going to provide everything who wants to play? Is that typically how it all works? Yeah, in your club? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. if people were... were Originally, it was just me and me and one of the guys, and we were talking about it, and then someone, we were chatting about it, was talking, oh, yeah, I'm get, oh, do you want to join in? And the next minute, I, I said i got about five people, and now we're interested in the blend. So, it's fine isn't? by me. I probably won't actually play. No. I'll probably just, like, game Run plan. the game. Yeah. Run the game. Yeah. You know, but that's, it's all about having fun. I yeah. get so much enjoyment watching other people have fun. Yeah. That's, that's almost as good as, me having the fun, if you know what I mean. Playing, playing, yeah. And uh, it's a very similar thing for me, to be honest, in that I'm building these games, but I'm not, not actually convinced I'll be actually playing them. I'll be uh, probably running other people through the game uh, yeah. when uh, our club hasn't reopened yet uh, for various yeah, reasons. Yeah, that's a bit, mm, yeah. It's a bit that's sad. 
Yeah, I'm surprised that you, you know what I mean, you hadn't reopened. Yeah, there's um I think with the rule of six, uh the the layout of our club and also the fact that we we have got quite a few older members yeah. who are who are more cautious. Yeah, I, I must admit, you know, I mean, a couple of our, a few, of, as I was just saying, the, the the older group of gentlemen, we've had less, of, they, they've been down less over this period for obvious reasons, you know what I mean? Yeah. We have got, in the hall that we meet, we meet in a parish hall, um, just in a little village, um, just a road from where I live, and um, it's classed as a, um, what's it, COVID? Safe? COVID safe thing now, so right. yeah, that's it, so it's got all the... Um, but we still got to go and we still got a mask up. We still they they provide all the equipment to clean and tidy and wash and we still got all the doors open. I'll tell you the other night when it was bloody cold on that Sunday evening. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Bobble out on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing bottles could, around the table. God, oh, yeah, you know I mean? should have been playing uh, Eastern Front. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it would literally it would be like playing Eastern Front. Man. But yeah. what you got to do to get your games in? Yeah, well, that's what you got to do, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've really missed uh, the gaming. And uh, locally, um, I've played a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons over over Zoom or Skype. But it's not the uh, same now, is it? It's, it's not the same, no. But it's better than nothing. Better than nothing, yeah, definitely. It's like you said about that. playing that game um, where you, you're playing Kings of War 6 mil. Uh, you yeah, we have some your great phone time. and over Messenger. It's better than not playing at all. Exactly. And, I know that over various periods, people will use have used lockdown to crack on with hobby projects, and I don't think that I don't think the industry uh, has perhaps suffered as much as people might have thought. Because I know that every company I speak to, their mail order is is absolutely yeah. going through the roof. Look at Bacchus. Well, uh, yeah, I had irregular miniatures. Well. Yeah, yeah, irregular miniatures say they're busy than ever. Adler, I think, have shut down for a, a little while and stopped taking orders. But That's right, they've, yeah. they've reopened again now. That's right, yeah. Uh, Heroics and Ross, the same. And obviously, these are all six mil, but yeah. um, they all seem to be doing rather well uh, with the fact that uh, people want to replenish their diminished lead piles because they've mm. been painting so much. That's right, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit unusual, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah. And I, I've missed the shows this year, I've got to say. I think we all do, don't we? That's yeah. what I mean. It's something really to look forward to, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, you know what I mean? I like going to tournaments and stuff like that, to meet yeah. people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because you make friends and stuff like yeah. that. But it's those shows, isn't it? You know what I mean? You just don't know what you're going to find and don't know who you're going to meet up with. And Yeah. The, uh, the really uh, a fixture of my wargaming year, I think, with the open days that Mantic run or a couple of the... Um, competitive events that I've entered uh, with Mantic on top of the various war game shows up and down the country. Um, it, it's my, it's my thing, you know, it's my bag yeah. to, to get out there and uh, I might not always spend a lot of money when I go to a show, but it's meeting the people. It's having a look at the games and you just never know what you might drop on. It, it, there could be um, something there that you never knew you wanted, but <laughs> you drop oh, on yeah. and you think, Oh, that's nice. Exactly, as I said, with the irregular fantasy ministers. Yeah. I never knew that, 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 you know what I mean? I'd just seen them at a show or something and thought, well, they're a good price. They look pretty cool. You know, I might be able to do something with them. Well, two years down the line, <laughs> six armies <laughs> later. Well, you'll be very proud of me, Steve, actually. Um, I had a little bit of a trade with 
Mark Backhouse, who was a ex guest, a previous guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And I've got a six mil irregular miniatures orc army. Excellent. And uh, what came along with that was some Saxons stroke Vikings, but they could be used as a um, Kingdom of Men Kingdoms army. Of I'm sure. Men. There you go, mate. Work them out, so I'll get, I'll, I'll get them painted up <laughs> in, in between armies, all yeah. the other yeah. projects. Yeah, yeah, two yeah, armies, yeah. mate. Two That's armies. what you need, mate. That's what you need, two armies. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's a start. Yeah, and hopefully uh, we're talking about gaming. Hopefully, myself, uh, you, you and me might be uh, getting together at some point, whether in the next couple of weeks or or whenever. Actually, whenever. Crossing our fingers, mate. That's, that's Cross, what uh, it is. It all depends on you know what I mean. What the alignment of the stars. The alignments of the stars and the and the alignment of who's going to be locked down when and when they're going to be locked down and. He's locking down and all this business. And we both worked, haven't we, through lockdown? So um, yes, yes. Unfortunately, uh, yes. We're both in situations where we've got to be out there and in the hordes, in the in the hordes and mixing it up. Um, yeah. So uh, right, mate. Uh, we've gabbled on for two two hours and five minutes. I don't know if you can believe that. But, God, uh, me. We've done well, haven't we? We haven't done badly, mate. <laughs> we haven't done badly at all. Uh, I don't even know if we've stuck to the little uh, running order that I sent through, but I, I, we're not far off. We're not far off. Um, okay, so uh, future ga- future painting, modelling, gaming plans for yourself. I know we've talked about the fact that your yeah, Americans of War is going to move on to Shiloh, but mm-hmm. um, future purchasing plans or what's 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 on the plans? table? Plans. What's, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I'm butterfly, mate, Mr. Mr. Butterfly. Um, what you tell me today could change tomorrow. Oh, yeah. yeah I'd make a bargain and that'd be it. That'd be, boom, I'll be gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, as I said, I, I, I'm itching to get after, after this, probably during this, I'm itching to um, look into a bit of World War Two. to be honest. Yeah. As I said, a, a few chaps down the club I've been playing um, over the last year or so, they, they were they were, they were playing, especially before the, the pandemic hit, they were playing quite a bit of the... Um, six mil um world war ii gaming so using the like the ghq type of models and that and i see backers yeah. have just brought out some lovely looking uh, oh, armor and stuff. Right. so yeah they yeah. do look very nice so i could be quite tempted i've always had it, a real inkling to do so there's a couple of periods i've never actually gamed in which i've, I've always quite fancied there's obviously like the, the anglo zulu war i've yeah. never done anything of that and i've never done anything colonial Right. So I could see those two at some point, you know, now I'm going down this this way. And obviously I've got ancients to look at at some point as well. So yeah. There's all these projects, mate. There's all these projects. <laughs> so many projects, so little time. Well, yeah. Got to enjoy well, yourself, don't you? Yeah, the, the last um, order I had through from Peter, actually, from Bacchus, uh, has got some Anglo-Zulu wars in there ready to mm, do. Yeah, uh, I remember you, yeah. Yeah, some, something, something Rourke's Drifty. Yes. <laughs> Operation so, Rourke's Drift. Gotta be, gotta be done, mate. Yeah, yeah I, I do quite fancy doing something like that. Again, some of our guys have played the um, oh, what's the Osprey system that? Uh, uh, the man who will be king. Yes. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. There's a quite a few of our guys that play that down in yeah. fifteen mil, I think. Well, that that's the rule set that's. Little Wars used for a Sunday yes, one. That's right, they yeah. just sort of upscaled it, didn't they? Which was an amazing rather, looking game that was, wasn't it? Rather amazing. That yes. was absolutely beautiful. Well, if you, if you get up to the Joy of Six, if Joy of Six is on next year and you get up there from the southwest, 
uh, hopefully some of those guys are coming over. So um, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so um, there's two things. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, two things now that I ask of every guest. Um, one is that having now appeared on the podcast for the first time, you agree to come on again at some point in the future. You want me back? I want you back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't care what I have to do. I want you back. There's a song in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure um, there is. I'm a bit worried. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. That's uh, aged us, isn't it? Um, and then secondly, uh, there's a, a, a thing called the God's Own Scale Virtual Library, um, in which I ask guests to deposit uh, at least one book, and on occasion two or even three books have been deposited in there by various guests so uh steve have you got a book that you would like to deposit into the god's own scale virtual library do you you expect i can read no, <laughs> yes i do sure and it thank is a bit goodness a, i was sweating bit, for a minute then it is a bit a bit of an odd one also steve 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 just before you go on you're the first guest that i have prompted with a message <laughs> yeah, about a book for the guy. Everybody else, I, f- I always forget, and I know some people have listened to the podcast, so they get prepared for it. But exactly, I was I was prepared years ago. From, oh, were you? Right? Okay. From episode one, mate, I was prepared. Oh, <laughs> I've always said you're a great. great I always hope you're a great judge of character. I was always hoping and praying that one day. <laughs> I'm yeah, honoured yeah, to be allowed to appear on said You've show. Made it. You've made it. <laughs> I've made it fame at last. Yes, it's actually The Bantams by Sidney Allinson. It's a history of the Bantams during World War One. Oh, Bantams that's... being the smaller guys, shall we say. Was this a Pals Battalion? They were actually the chaps that weren't allowed to fight originally because of their signs. They oh. were under regulation. Right. They were under the five foot three inches. Right. So they were not allowed to fight originally. And there was so much for hoorah about it. Yeah. That they decided on their clever ways, the generals, as they did in World War One. I, I know, let's get, <laughs> like the Powell's battalions of everybody, let's get everybody of this size that wants to fight and put them into their own regiments. Right. Didn't work out so well, should we say? <laughs> I'm sure. I, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it, that one of those idiosyncrasies of the of the, the First World War where these ideas were drawn up and then perhaps didn't go to plan. The thing was, as I said, I researched about uh, a while ago about my... Um, couple of great uncles that died during the war and one of them was um when i died at the man it was a guardsman like six foot i think it was six foot five six foot six guardsman he's like a big chap yeah but his brother was a bantam what he would class as a bantam he was four foot and shovel handle shall we say so we got right. these literary pictures uh, i've got pictures of them and there's literally the guardsman is sat down and his brother stood next to him and they're like head height Wow. Now, he wanted to go to war, but obviously being of that size, he, he wasn't allowed. Yeah. Um, so his brother had been called up and died 
at mm. the Martin in, in um, 1914. Yeah. But um, in the end, because they formed the, they formed a Bantam Regiment in the Bristol area, um, the 14th Gloucesters. So he signed up to go over. And he, he lost, as I said to you before, he lost his life uh, at the beginning of um, the Somme. Right. So it was in, very interesting to read this book. I got this book purposely when I was researching it to read about the history of the Bantams. And it, if, it's just so much of an interesting book on how they, what they did, what they, you know what I mean? How, how they equipped them, how, yeah. how they had to, um, like, obviously the rifles are too big. So they, they, they cut the stocks down on the rifles. Right. And the problem they had with the Bantams was the main problem. When, when, when they enlisted the first group, these were like the Welsh miners, the miners from the West Country, the stocky, yeah. you know what I mean, the, the the strong chaps, you know what I mean. The problem is, as the war went on and they lost these people, they were because it had gone to, oh, we're just getting people in at that height. Then you had started getting the other people that weren't quite suitable to be called up to go to war, shall we say? Right. Well, before they might have been weeded out because they weren't taking yeah. people of this size. And they didn't meet the regulation. Now they were being allowed in. And the problem was they weren't suitable to be at war. Yes. And in the end, it, 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 the system the system failed. And the majority, the Bantams, like I said there, you cannot hardly find any information on the 14th Gloucesters as a regiment. Right. Because they were disbanded during the war and they were put into um, other regiments. Right. So, yeah, it's a very, very interesting book. Who, who was the author again, Steve? It was Sidney Allenson. Allenson, right. And it's by Pen and Sword. Okay. So it, That it, will it, take its place. It's, as I said, anybody interested in that type of thing, it, it, it is a very interesting, a very interesting book. Well, as a, as a um, amateur enthusiast, historian of the First World War, that will be... One of the next books that I, I look to purchase. So thank you for uh, no depositing mate. that um, on the on the shelves of the God's Own Scale Virtual Library. Steve, it's been an absolute blast. We've wandered all over the place, which is in sure the best have. tradition <laughs> of God's Own Scale, <laughs> uh, and uh, covered quite a lot of ground there from uh, your your history and your sort of reintroduction into back into six mil. Uh, but uh, you, you clearly as have got a, as broad a interest in the hobby as, as myself, and uh, whatever whatever takes your fancy, whatever new shiny takes your fancy. Oh yeah, you're yes. there, you're there. Oh yeah, uh, mate, it's been great. Thank you very much for Absolute your time. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute and, pleasure. Uh, we will speak again, both over the airwaves and in person, hopefully sooner rather than later. If it's not within the next couple of weeks, as we hope, then. We'll definitely get a game on because um, we definitely will, mate. We definitely uh, will. I, uh, I'm, I need some face-to-face -face gaming. Let's face yeah, it. that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's getting back to the face-to-face -face gaming, and yeah. I said I've been so lucky, really, that you know what I mean. Our club was allowed to reopen. You know what I mean? I, I can't think of what I'd be pulling my hair out otherwise. Yeah. I really yeah. would be. I've had one face-to-face -face game, I think, since March. Oh, um, God. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. A couple of games over Universal Battle of Kings of War and uh, a little bit of Dungeons and & Dragons. Uh, but, and the disappointing thing for me personally 
is I haven't got as much painting done as I would like. Mm. But uh, there you go. I've, uh, a fair lady of you, yours has been keeping you busy, though, hasn't she? Yeah, the ten-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but whilst whilst we've been talking, I have based up uh, two units of uh, Union American Civil War. Excellent. So uh, it's not been uh, it's not been in vain. Uh, right. Well, uh, we'll end the interview there, mate. Thanks very much for your time, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Okay, mate. Welcome back to the studio. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Steve. It was great to catch up with him and I really wish him well with all of his projects, both large and small. You may have noticed the error in the episode number at the start of the interview. My apologies for that as the order I record in isn't always the same order I release episodes in. On to my own hobby. Anyone who's followed me on Twitter and Facebook will see I'm very much underway with my Antietam project. Very excited about it. I'm over halfway now and the finish line is in sight. It's still a way off but I can definitely see the white tape. As I said in the intro, I ordered a few Adler figures recently, principally to get their personality general figures, but also for some variety in artillery crew and dismounted cavalry. I've got to say I've been highly impressed. I'm really, I've really enjoyed working with them. Uh, I know they've been around for some time and are well known for the quality of the sculpting, but this is my first experience of getting them under the brush and... I was not disappointed. They are really lovely sculpts. I'd love to get someone on from the show from Adler. So if anyone is listening from Adler Miniatures, then please get in touch and uh, let's chat. I'd love to uh, hear the Adler story, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners would. In other news, I've signed up for the Analog Painting Challenge run by Kurt over in Canada. I think this is now the 11th year it's ran but my first time participating. It's essentially a motivator for gamers to reduce their unpainted lead piles. You essentially set yourself a points target to hit within three months. I think it starts this year on the 21st of December, running through to the 21st of March. You get more points for a 28mm figure even than a 6mm figure. But to give you an idea, a 6mm figure is worth half a point, and I've set myself, set myself a modest total of 300 points. I suspect I'll get to that total relatively easily, but you never know when your painting mojo will wander off and leave you. She is a fickle beast at times, as I've experienced many times over my gaming life. Blog of the episode is Gareth Beamish's Tenku Fubu blog. I apologise, Gareth, if I've butchered the pronunciation there. But this is a blog which you must go over to and have a look at. It charts Gareth's mainly 6mm Sengoku era gaming. I think there's some larger scales detailed on the blog as well. 
What I love about it, apart from the pure excellence in the painting of the figures and the writing, is the photography. Anyone who thinks you can't photograph a good 6mm game needs to look here. Some of the battle shots are just amazing and I highly recommend anyone get over to it as soon as they've listened to this episode and just soak up some of the atmosphere that Gareth has managed to cram into those photographs. The link will be in the show notes. Gareth is also known as a great commission painter under the umbrella of ADC Painting. If you want your figures painted to a great standard at a reasonable price, check him out. Again, the links will be in the show notes. A quick thank you once again to all of my Patriots who support me through Patreon. Your help is greatly appreciated. If you like the podcast and want to support it and get access to the occasional Patreon Q&A and other bits and pieces like the blog post, go to patreon.com forward slash God's Own Scale. Again, the link will be up in the show notes. Every bit really does help. And I thank all of my patriots from the bottom of my heart for the support and continued support that they've shown me over the last few months. Okay, that's enough from me. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Drop me a line at godsownscale at gmail.com or on Twitter at godsownscale if you have any feedback or suggestions for the future of the show. There's lots planned, lots coming up in the new year. But for now, keep safe, play nice, and keep talking about six.
The German drops the same as dear, oh dear. All the wide gave away and Paddy yelled, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye, a wife for dear, bang, ready from your eyes. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be nickel and it's a go, don't cry, don't cry. I'm uh, I'm using a proper microphone tonight. <gasps> what? I know. Professional, mate, aren't you? What's going on here? Well, it's the best microphone that fifteen quid would buy from China. Oh, that's right, mate. Um, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, mate. It took a sl- it was a slow boat. Yeah, but it got here eventually. Yeah, it got here eventually. So I can't complain. Um. Uh. Right. Hang on. Whoa. What's up? I might have just put a stupid icon, um, smiley on. Just get rid of it. That's it. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking the last time I heard, uh, last time I really used Skype was, what, well, about two years ago? Two yeah, years ago. Really? It was about two years ago. Yeah. Um, when my youngest was over in New Zealand doing oh, a internship right. at um, Auckland Zoo. Ah. And we used to, like, that's the only way you used to speak to her, like, you know what I mean? Just, um, over Skype. Bring you back happy memories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Happy <laughs> memories indeed. When you can actually go out and do things and stuff. Yeah. Like Have you got a click your end, mate? Is there something clicking your end? Might be me and my uh, standing knife. I'll put my standing uh, knife. That yeah, better? that's better, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, when I edit it, I'll think, what the hell's that noise? <laughs> I'm just trying to make a spade on a six mil. Um, artilleryman. Right. For the Civil War. Hmm? The ACW stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For a Union. It was a cannon bloke, which cut off the top of his, uh, his, uh, what they everybody call it for sponging out the, uh, oh yeah, the sponger. That's it, the sponger man. I don't know if that's the proper name, mate, but it'll do. Yeah, little big sponge. I'm trying to make a kind of like a spade out of his to go with one of my other HQs that I'm making in a moment. Ah. Mate, the stuff you've got there looks tremendous. I love that wagon. I love how you've done it like on a road. Yeah, it came out, came out quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when um, when I upload this into Audacity, uh, which is the editing software that I use? Any sort of clicks or bumps or so. If I, I'm in a bit of a creaky chair at the minute, so if I move backwards and forwards and that, I can hear it mm. on the um, on the edit. So uh, it it takes me hours to get rid of these little bumps or creaks or like a daughter. My daughter's got a friend stopping over tonight, so I've just had to pop my head outside the office door and say, "Be quiet." <laughs> keep it down because otherwise she'll uh they'll will this microphone will definitely pick it up um on the recording um so days when i had to worry about yeah <laughs> yeah 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 you got it all done early in life mate i'm a i'm a late starter <laughs> what was it my eldest was what was it 
couple of weeks ago she was 27. Jesus Christ. Does it make you feel old? It does make me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> See, the only advantage of me starting late in life is having a 10-year-old daughter. She makes me feel young. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> If you've got to do anything that's exercise, then it's like, oh, Christ, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't bend down like that. Oh. Yeah, exactly. You don't bounce off quite as quickly. Oh, you mate, definitely don't do that. No, no. Um, that little agenda then, mate. Are you happy with that? We'll just do yeah, um, yeah. sort of introductions. Then uh, we'll have a as detailed a hobby biography off you as we can, including all the old Warhammer fantasy stuff and Lurker's Spleen and all that, because that... I'd, I was amazed when I saw that that was your handle because I was mm-hmm. we've back in the dim and distant past. We will have definitely communicated over the, the old WPS forum. Oh, uh, you were, you, uh, I know you posted quite a bit on there, didn't you? Under Lurkus. Oh, Christ, yeah. Back yeah, in the well, day. Back in I the was day. on there. I was on there all the bleeding time, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Me and two or three of the lads from the Stoke club were, although we were never really heavily involved in WPS and, competitive gaming we used it as the sort of standard for our inter in, internal club mm. games so in fact I, i've been credited by a couple of the lads down at the club as ruining warhammer fantasy <laughs> club members uh, in in the fact that before I, it was me that sort of latched onto the wps and the, the whole mm-hmm. competitive scene certainly when sixth we had to move from fifth into sixth ed mm-hmm. um and I said to him, look, there's, there's these uh, like official guidelines for playing games and 2,000 points, and there's all these like weird tactics where you do these, uh, um, uh, what, like when you angle your die wolves and yeah, sort, yeah, yeah, lure yeah. them away. I forget what they call it now. Yeah, Charge yeah. diversion type tactics. Uh, uh, and the first time, I, I can remember, I was playing Vampire Counts, and Vampire Counts were pretty strong, in the, certainly in the they early were, days. Yes. Um, I uh, I moved some die walls forward and then I angled them, and everybody looked at me and thought, "Why? Why is he doing that? Nobody's ever yeah. done that before." Exactly. And ah, you watch and learn, young boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went, "What have you done? Yeah, you ruined our friendly game." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it never, mate, it never, it never recovered. It never mm. recovered from there, all the way through sixth, seventh, and the bit of eighth that we did. Mm. Um, we didn't do an awful lot of eighth. I think we'd uh, we killed ourselves really on competitive yeah. type gaming. Although, as I say, we never really entered much. I did one or two GTs and GW GTs as well, actually, but uh, not much. I never, I never did a GW GT. Never. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was all right, but obviously there's no comp rules. The WPS yeah. brought in quite heavy comp, didn't they, towards the That's end? That's right. Yeah. Um, so it was all no holds barred at all and very cheesy type armies. I think that's why I enjoyed the WPS because of the comp. You know what I mean? I think we all moaned about it at the time, but at the time yeah. it was like, you know what I mean? It was always all, the talk of GW was, oh, if you can play with their tournaments, they can do, you can play with what you like, and you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? But then you get stupid lists. It's like, yeah, <laughs> nah, I don't want any of that. <laughs> But, As you know, mate, I'm more like you when it comes to gaming. I'm not really interested yeah. in winning. I'm, I'm interested yeah. in taking part and playing new people. Yeah, no, that, and that, that's the same with us, really. Because even though I introduced the concept of char- 
much diverting and all that. I was still rubbish. <laughs> I'd, still, yeah. I'd still generally come to the, uh, close to the bottom of the list. So uh, I do remember uh, me and uh, a good mate of mine entered the GWGT, and he w- he was a really good player actually. Um, and after the third game, we were both on the top table. He was on top table. I was on like table three or something. I thought this this is a bit unusual. <laughs> I've never been, mm-hmm. and I started to get a bit worried. And then I promptly lost my next four games and just <laughs> yeah. sank without a trace. <laughs> and I felt happier about it. But um, they always say that it's far better losing your first game at an event, and then you can sink down to a sort of your 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 right own level. level, your own yeah, skill yeah. level. Yeah. But at, certainly at the GW ones, there's still dickheads down at the. At, on well, the I think I think you have that with everything, mate. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, I've played in I've played in a lot of tournaments over, over the years. What did I get started getting into tournament playing? It must have been about. I just told to, to misses about it. Further on, it was like it must have been ninety nine or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. I think. Way of Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there could be a click then. That was me cutting. Um, That's all right, mate. Yeah. Um, the Weymouth Wow was our, the first one I went to. Yeah. Because um, I was quite lucky at the time because my parents had a caravan in Weymouth. Oh, right. So I used to book our holiday. Our, our, uh, my girls were young at the time, so we used to book our uh, family holiday for the weekend. So the weekend of the Weymouth Wow was dead in the middle. <laughs> we'd have two weeks at Weymouth and right in the middle of it would be the Weymouth Wow. And, oh, just going off for the weekend and playing with yes, M- Mrs. Evans was all right with that, was she? Yeah. <laughs> Give her due, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, the boss is, uh, she's always been pretty good to me, so. Well, I think I think any of us that have been doing this long enough with mm. the, with partners, you have to take your hats off to uh, the, yeah, the well, ladies that uh, don't bat an eyelid. Has it been 28 years married this year? That's pretty so, good yeah, girl, she's, had to, she's had to part with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I must be doing something right. I don't know why. You must be doing something right, yeah. I've been married for a total of 20 years, but over mm. two different marriages. So. <laughs> yeah. well, 28 years of marriage, and I think we've been known each other for 32 years. So. Bloody hell, mate. Bloody hell. I know. Yeah. I just keep telling her I've got less for Brook and Murder. I would have you know, <laughs> been, been let out years ago. There's a lifetime service award in there somewhere. I reckon there's got to be something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right mate we'll uh, we'll crack on shall we i'll, I'll get a bit yeah. of an introduction done and uh, we'll get going uh have you got your nice cup of tea ready coffee mate i'm a coffee man not a tea man coffee mate. good man yeah. i won't hold that against you <laughs> <laughs> tea just makes me want to pee all the time that's the problem you ate it's, even, wor- it's even worse when i when I get to the stage as well like you know what i mean well, <laughs> yeah, your bladder shrinks, doesn't it? Oh but... my God, it's murder. Yeah, yeah. So it's bad back in the day. Now nowadays, it's even worse. It's like, oh, please, touch a cup of tea, and it's like straight to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I'll I'll crack on then, mate. So uh, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Just let me have one yeah. more slurp of tea.
welcome back to the studio i hope you enjoyed that chat with steve it was great to catch up with him and i wish him well with all of his projects both large and small you may have noticed the error in the episode number my apologies for that as the order that i record these episodes in isn't the always the same order i release them in occasionally there's um some time pressures, uh, particularly around some of the interviews with manufacturers, etc. Onto my own hobby, anyone who has followed me on Twitter or Facebook will see I'm very much underway with my Antietam project. I'm over halfway now and the finish line is in sight. Still a way off, but I can definitely see the white tape. As I said in the intro, I ordered a few Adler figures, principally to get the personality general figures but also for some variety in artillery crew and the dismounted cavalry. I've really enjoyed working with them and I know they've been around for some time and are well known for the quality of their sculpting. I'd really love to get someone on the show from Adler in the new year. So if you are listening, Adler, let me know, get in touch. Uh, in other news, I've signed up for the Analog Painting Challenge, uh, it, which is in its 11th year, run by Kurt over in Canada. This is um, an incentive for gamers to get uh, that lead pile, that unpainted lead pile reduced. This is my first time participating and I'm quite looking forward to it, I've got to say. You essentially set yourself a points goal to hit within the three months it starts i think 21st of december running through to around about the 21st of march um, you get more points for a 28 mil figure than a six mil figure and just give you an idea a six mil figure is worth half a point and i've set myself the modest total of 300 points so that's 600 six mil figures or any combination of 28 mil 10 mil 15 mil which are all worth various uh, different points. So I suspect I'll get to the total relatively easily, but you never know when your painting mojo wanders off and leaves you. It's very difficult to get it back. And she is a fickle beast at times. I've found through bitter experience. Blog of the episode is the most excellent Gareth Beamish's Tenku Fubu blog. That's not easy for me to say. I've no doubt butchered the pronunciation. I do apologize, Gareth. This blog charts mainly his six mil Sengoku era gaming. I think there's a couple of other scales in there as well. But what I love about it, apart from the pure excellence in the painting of the figures and the writing, is the photography. Anyone who thinks you can't photograph a good six mil game needs to take a look at Gareth's blog. Some of the battle shots are just amazing. And I highly, rec highly recommend anyone get over to it. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, Gareth is also known as a great commission painter under the umbrella of ADC Painting, Adecomp or Adecor, Adecomp Painting. I know Mike Hobbs from uh, Meeples and Miniatures is a regular customer of Gareth's. If you want your figures painted to a great standard at a reasonable price, check him out. Again, the link will be in the show notes. A quick thank you once again to all of my patriots who support me through Patreon. Your help is greatly appreciated. Your continued support 
really does blow me away every month. If you like the podcast and you're not a Patreon yet and want to support it and get access to the occasional Patreon Q&A and other bits and pieces like uh, one or two blog posts that I put up on there, go to patreon.com forward slash God's Own Scale. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Uh, Every bit really does help, so please consider uh, supporting the show. Okay, that's enough from me. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Drop me a line at godsownscale at gmail.com or on Twitter at godsownscale if you've got any feedback or suggestions or something that you haven't liked. There is occasionally uh, feedback that suggests I've maybe got something wrong and I'm absolutely open to listen to anybody who's got anything to say about the show, about comments I've made or the hobby in general. But for now, keep safe, play nice and keep talking about six. Boo-boo-boo. As you do 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 do